New 900 megabits per second Future Fiber is here. And with Total Home Wi-Fi included, you can connect all around your home. Get our ultimate speed, reliability, and coverage for just £49 a month. New Future Fiber, same great value. Sign up now and get a £100 reward card. Search Talk Talk Future Fiber. Talk Talk for everyone. CPI plus 3.7% annual increase from April 2023. Subject to local availability. Average speeds up to 900 megabits per second. 24-month contract. Reward card issued by GiftCloud. T's and C's apply. Podcast with David Ike. We're down here on the Isle of Wight today. Crimes of the Illuminati is the subject. And we're going to be going over a range of questions. Now, back in 2003, 2004, I was upstairs in the maximum security Madison Street Jail, Phoenix, Arizona, lockdown, and a lifer on the run comes right up to my door and shoves a book under the door, says, have you heard of David Ike? You need to read this. And here's the book that I read. Alice in Wonderland just blew my mind, shook up the foundation of my belief system. David's got numerous books out now, huge YouTube channel. All the links to all his books and YouTube channel will be in the description box below this video. So we're going to start with a question that's quite topical right now. Thank, thanks for being on, David. No problem. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. No problem. Julian Assange, why is he being targeted and what's in store? Well, I've spent 30 years um, connecting dots um, and... What you learn is nothing happens in isolation. To understand the true nature of an individual action, an individual situation, you have to understand what it's connected to because it's not a pixel. There's a picture there and you just have to find it. And I have this, um, this phrase I use, know the outcome and you'll see the journey. If you know where we're being taken, then the steps and the changes and the events um, that are leading to that outcome become very clear. See, we, I can see where this is going. But if you don't know the outcome, then those same happenings appear to be completely random and have no pattern. So what is going on? Oh, oh it's just this Assange bloke. He's... Um, uh, he's uh, been arrested for running away f- to the um, Ecuadorian embassy and, 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 and he, he was doing something the Americans don't like, so they, they want to extradite him and all that stuff. And it seems to be a single event. It's not. If we go back to um, know the outcome and you see the journey, what is the outcome? The outcome that we're being taken to, which brings in so many other dots of topical current um, interest and happening um, is to a position where no one will ever see anything or hear anything that is not officially improved. That's the goal. Now, what we're seeing is the movement towards that. And of course, the Silicon Valley hysteria of censorship is taking us towards that so fast day after day after day whereby anything outside of the official narrative is now um, hate speech, fake news, and any other label that uh, they come up with, and there'll be uh, many others. Um, and, of course, within that, um, within that concept of only seeing and hearing whatever the authority wants you to see and hear, 
we then see why freedom of speech in general is being targeted. And everywhere you look, it's being targeted. Because if freedom of speech survives in any form, they can never reach the point where um, they can control everything that people see and hear, because free speech can challenge it. So that's why free speech is being, um, is being targeted on the scale that it is. So then you look at what Assange has done with WikiLeaks. Uh, first of all, um, he has, through that organization, revealed through leaked documents, emails, etc., uh, the truth that some of us have been putting out for a long time uh, is that the American government um, would give psychopaths a bad name. They probably sue for defamation of character. Um, and uh, we've seen um, civilians in the Middle East uh, shot for a bit of fun, basically, on, um, on camera. We have seen how uh, politicians have said one thing uh, to our face and something very different was going on in um, in the shadows. So if we, again, go back to this concept of controlling everything that people see and hear, the last thing they want is for someone like WikiLeaks and Assange to reveal what they absolutely don't want people to see and hear, which is what they're really doing. So how do you stop that? Well, um, you can censor, yes, up to a point, but you've also got to um, discourage anyone else who would have in mind doing anything like the same. So this is an old trick, an old technique. You target someone, usually an individual, and you make an example of them. You um, you target them in an extreme, over-the-top, um, psychopathic way. Because um, what you're doing is you're not just targeting Assange. You're saying to anyone else that might think of doing the same, this is what happens when you take us on. And so there's many elements of what uh, the old Assange story is, but that is absolutely um, prime, which is... Um, terrifying anyone else going down the same road. And, and we see this same principle with freedom of speech. Uh, what you do, you don't just censor. You um, target people talking uh, uh, in ways that the system doesn't want people to, um, to hear or accept um, with endless abuse um, so that people then start to um, come into the most insidious, the most fundamental of censorship, which is self-censorship. Instead of someone saying something and there be a, 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 some kind of debate about it, it's just never said. And what does that mean? Increasingly, as more and more people say, well, I better not say that because what are the consequences, which is what people are doing now, you're step by step getting closer to a point where people only see and hear what the authorities want us to see and hear. And um, when my next book comes out, which is a, a big update on um, Alice in Wonderland and the World Trade Center disaster, it's called The Trigger. It's coming out on uh, September the 11th, which might give you an idea what, what's a, a great chunk of it's about, but it's not all about that. Um, they will see that um, actually I 
I don't give a shit um, what they um, do to me, throw, throw at me, abuse me with. I couldn't care less. And, and that's the energy we need because as, as long as people keep thinking consequences, what are the consequences for me of doing this or saying this? And, and people think, oh, the consequences, they're too much for me. I don't want that. We're walking down the road to complete silence of anything outside the official narrative. And that's very dangerous, and we must not bow to that. So they've made an example out of Assange. This has been going on for time immemorial, like the death of Socrates, the gadfly. Yep. Trump said, I love WikiLeaks. And now Trump and the US are trying to get Assange extradited, could possibly serve a life sentence in America. Yeah. How does Trump reconcile that? And what do you think will happen to Assange if he ends up in the States? Well, um, they won't throw the book at him. They'll throw the library at him and most of it will be made up. And, and the, the thing about it, too, is uh, crucial to um, destroying freedom of speech and allowing things like that to happen is to have a media that's not only owned by the cabal that's ultimately behind all this, because you control information, you control perception, you control perception, you control behavior, you control behavior, you control human society. It all comes from information. That's the start of that sequence. So this is why they want to control information um, um, everywhere, totally. Um, but it's not just that the media is overwhelmingly owned by these people. It's that what people bravely call themselves uh, uh, journalists who actually have the nerve, the audacity to put journalists on their tax form, um, they have um, backbones um, that start vibrating at the very thought of taking on the system. And so instead of standing up in unity for their own freedom of speech, which is uh, obviously all tied in to what they're doing to Assange, what they're doing to him could equally be applied to any news organization or any journalist, because proper journalists basically do the same. They uncover what the, the, the uh, authorities don't want uncovered. That's the real foundation of a journalist, telling the public what the public wouldn't otherwise hear. Instead, we have a journalistic profession that tells the public what the system and the authorities want them to hear, which is the very inversion of journalism. But even... Even from that perspective, the extreme of potential consequences for mainstream journalism, what, what survives of it, of what they're doing to Assange, even that has not rallied them to stand up and say, we're not having this. Because um, in the end, uh, journalism, and I've worked in journalism, mainstream journalism for a long time in, in newspapers and radio and television. In the end, um, what motivates most journalists is not the pursuit of truth and the exposure of deceit and the abuse of power. It is, I've got a mortgage to pay. That's the motivation. So it's like, oh, well, if I cross the line, I might lose my job. And, and well, you know, I've got a mortgage to pay. But what these journalists don't realize is while they uh, their backbones vibrate and they um, they sit pondering over the next mortgage payment 
Um, they're very professionalist being dismantled. And what is happening to Assange is part of that dismantling of that profession. We are, um, I saw some figures the other day about the number of journalists who are using, losing their jobs around the world because all the information is now being put onto the internet. Newspapers are going out of business. Uh, television um, c companies are uh, losing. If you just take that off, someone's trying to call me. Um, newspapers are, uh, are going out of business. Um, the uh, television stations are vastly losing, losing audiences. And it's moving on to the internet. It's moving on, to an in on the internet systematically for a very simple reason. Once you get information on the internet, you can algorithmically censor it without any human input once the codes are in there. That's, that's what it's being done for. Uh, why have they created uh, monopolistic organizations like, um, like Google with the search engine and Facebook and, and, and these others? Um, to um, be the very uh, focus of the communication of information because they, that's the way they're going to control it totally. You know, they, they, the, the algorithms that don't just delete a post when it's posted but stop it being posted that's where it's very close to going and so you put all this together and assange is um is a is a very significant element in all that and uh the journalists look on and they say i've got to pay me mortgage on thursday truth got to pay me mortgage on Thursday, and that's how it goes. That's how it goes. And, um, and unfortunately, um, they're going to reap the whirlwind. Many already are. This ties into the next question then. The jelly-spined journalists who are vibrating right now are pushing for war with Iran. Why does the U.S. want war with Iran so much? Well, a, 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 another question would be, how come I predicted war with Iran? Um, what? Best part of two decades ago. I read that and I saw it on your videos. You talked about that general who came back and yeah. talked about which ones we're going to invade next. It's very simple. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, we're not, we're not looking at um, dots. We're looking at pictures, not looking at pixels. We're looking at patterns. Uh, and so uh, the very close attack on Iran, which... I would say, I would say uh, Trump pulled back on at the very last minute, not for kind of um, altruistic reasons towards Iranians, but because it was pointed out to him um, uh, that by those that are not pushing him to war, that if he does go to war with Iran, he's got no chance of winning the next election because he will absolutely have um, uh, lost the support of vast numbers of people that voted for Trump in 2016, simply because he was saying, we're going to stop having these uh, wars. We're going to stop intervening in other countries' uh, um, affairs. People wanted that. So a lot of his support came from that. And I think at the last minute, a few voices said to him, if you do this, you will, um, you'll not win the next election. So he pulled back at the last minute. And what these war hawks around him um, are like John Bolton, who's never seen a country he didn't want to bomb. He's a national security advisor. Um, he was just an Israel placeman. He was placed into power by a guy called Sheldon Adelson, who's um, a, um, a an American-Israeli um, Las Vegas casino magnate, an Israeli um, media owner, who is Trump's biggest funder and the Republican Party's biggest funder. He was the one that put um, a Bolton in. And Bolton, if we take it back, 
was part of a group called the Project for the New American Century, uh, which was uh, created in the 1990s specifically to target a number of countries for regime change in the Middle East. And in September 2000, the year before 9-11, they, um, they produced a document uh, which they called the New American Century. If it was true, really accurate, they'd have called it the New Israeli Century um, because it was an Israeli organization. And uh, what um, then ha happened was that um, they published this document and they listed a series of countries in September 2000 they wanted to regime change. And they were Iraq, um, Iran, Libya, Syria, North Korea, leading to regime change in, in China. And uh, so you saw um, Boy Bush and um, the, his poodle, uh, Blair, I say his poodle, the uh, American uh, poodle, Blair, they then lied to pick off the first one, Iraq. Um, they then went away. I mean, Blair was officially, I mean, it's a laugh, but he was officially a Labour Party prime minister. Bush was a Republican president. And in came a Democrat president called Obama and a conservative prime minister called David Cameron, so they're not going to be the same, are they? Because they're in different parties. Crikey, well, what, they wonder what they're going to do. They targeted Libya and removed Gaddafi, according to the Project for the New American Century list of September 2000. Uh, and then um, they started the, uh, the process of this manufactured civil war um, in, um, in Syria, which has created mayhem in Syria. And now um, they went and uh, in, in came... Um, uh, Mr. Maverick, Mr. Sw uh, Swamp Drainer, uh, Donald Trump, and he was minutes away from attacking Iran. And what they're going to keep doing, these war hawks, is they're going to keep prodding him and prodding him with events they're going to create and blame on Iran. So eventually he, he, he says, OK, then. That, that's the idea, whether he'll keep his, um, his, his situation. If you take the, uh, to just take the thing out the back, uh, out the back, you know, out there, oh, then, it won't, then it won't ring again. Yeah, it's Donald Trump. He's he's um, <laughs> he hasn't got me with a tweet, so he's tried the phone. Um, chill out, Don. Just drain the swamp, mate, will you? The one you've been swimming in all your life. Anyway, uh, so um, this uh, list when Trump came in was clearly next going to be Iran, which is being ticked off. And that's why I put a, a meme on the uh, internet where, when he was elected in 2016. And it says, um, uh, key word of the Trump administration, Iran. Which, as I put at the bottom, which means um, Russia and China, uh, who would support Iran in that situation. Uh, and, um, and so uh, then, you, um, then you look at uh, what... what what allowed them to start this list off? What, what allowed them to start focusing on the Middle East to uh, justify um, these regime changes? And it was an attack on September the 11th, 2001. And in this document of September 2000, it says, um, talking about the regime changes they demand and um, how they would be brought about, that um, this process of transformation they say, quote, meaning the regime changes in the Middle East, would be necessarily slow, absent 
some uh, catastrophic and catalyzing event like a new Pearl Harbor. And um, one year to the month after that document was published, and nine months after the people that wrote it came to power with Bush, your Cheneys, your Rumsfelds, your Wolfowitz, your, your Dove Zakheims who controlled the whole Pentagon budget, uh, 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 etc., and many others, um, they had what Bush called at the time America's Pearl Harbor of the 21st century. And, and if anyone thinks that's a coincidence, I've got some wonderful seafront property in the Midwest they might like to look at. Sight unseen, of course. Because um, uh, you'll probably buy it if you believe that was a coincidence. And so predicting the, the, predicting the future, which my books have done uh, in, 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 in great uh, numbers across great subjects, is not some sitting in the sitting in, the, uh, in a quiet room, pulling it out of the ether. Um, if, if you know what the outcome is, is desired to be, then predicting the stepping stones to that outcome is, is absolutely straightforward. The idea of doing it is to alert people, not to say, look, look see, see I, I knew this, I knew that, I knew that, look, aren't I great? It's to say, look, if I knew about this in the 1990s and 20 years ago and 10 years ago, it ain't random, is it? it it's not random. It's, it's not something that's just happening. It's a pattern. It's being made to happen. It's an agenda. And the idea is to wake people up to the fact that um, they are looking at, a, at, at an agenda for mass human global uh, control. And it's being perpetuated by a level of psychopathy that just almost beggars belief. You see, one of the biggest uh, mistakes that people make um, is they judge what these people will do by what they would do. Um, you say to most people, would you um, create 9-11, blame it on 19 um, Arab hijackers who... Um, somehow uh, managed to um, manifest the ability to uh, fly big commercial jets, having been absolutely useless, according to their flight instructions, on one-engine Cessnas. One guy, Annie Hanjour, who was supposed to have done an amazing 270-degree turn to hit the Pentagon, was banned from hiring a one-engine plane six weeks earlier because he was freaking useless. Right. It's madness. Um, but if you, it, it's like it's like the whole Nazi thing. If you uh, keep repeating the same story over and over again, people will eventually um, believe it. But we're not dealing with the emotional and compassionate nature of so many people. We're dealing with psychopaths. So don't judge what they would do by what you would do. They would not only kill nearly 3,000 people on 9-11 to justify killing and maiming millions in the Middle East as a result, they would get off on it. These people are insane. And uh, we need to take the world back from them before their um, insane outcome um, becomes human life. Having read David's books for 15 years now, I can confirm everything that he writes does come true eventually. And... 
one of the things that horror struck me reading your earlier books was like the depleted uranium, the cluster bombs. You had photos in your books of the effects. And I read a statistic recently that since these wars in the Middle East have happened, three to five million people have died. Half of them, women and children, collateral damage. So you're talking about psychopathy. Yeah, well, you're talking about satanic psychopaths um, because, you know, I I write about so many subjects, but I keep emphasizing they all connect. People say to me, you see conspiracies everywhere. Well, conspiracies are everywhere. If you look at the dictionary definition of two or more people conspiring to uh, bring about an end, usually illegal. But I'm not talking about conspiracies everywhere. I'm talking about one conspiracy with multiple faces, which is a different thing. So um, these... uh, when, when during the 90s I was starting to investigate some of these people, invari- in different countries, invariably you would end up with, with either paedophilia or Satanism, and usually both, because they are connected. Um, and so, uh, hold on, um, this is a person who would sacrifice a child, literally on, a, on, a, on an altar. And I'm talking some of the most famous people in the world here, um, so those same people who have such deleted um, lack of empathy, deleted empathy, deleted compassion, that they can watch a child in terror as the uh, ritual builds up to the point where they kill the child. Someone like that wouldn't kill 3,000 people on 9-11 to justify killing millions in the Middle East. Someone like that wouldn't uh, ha- ha- create a situation where vast numbers of people are dying f- from hunger in a world of plenty. A situation where more and more people are sleeping in the streets, where typhus has broken out among the homeless uh, uh, streets of Los Angeles. Of course they would. Not only that, they'd get off on it. they get off on child sacrifice. they get off on uh, um, terrifying and abusing children in paedophilia. So um, we're not dealing with the mentality of the general population. We've got to get uh, uh, our heads around that. And then we'll start to understand how um, these things are possible, which would not be possible if the general population's state of compassion and empathy was involved. These people are insane so for, uh, so for 9-11 to be greenlit, to get into motion, would it take a cabal of those psychopaths or just one psychopath? How, how would it actually go from inception to, to realization? Well, it, it works like this, basically. Uh, you think of a spider's web. This is a global spider's web now. You've got a spider in the center. That, that's where it's all coming from. That's way, way in the shadows. And... Um, at that level, you won't find people that you will know in the public arena. The strands of the web around the spider are the most exclusive secret societies. That, that's where the people in the know are really in the know of what it's all about and where it's going. And, um, and then you come out a bit further and you'll, you'll hit the secret societies that we do know about. You'll see the Freemasons. And I'm talking the inner core of them. Most of these people in secret societies, except the elite ones, are, are all compartmentalized away from, from what's really happening. Um, but um, you've got the Freemasons, the Knights of Malta, Opus Dei, and um, 
and uh, Knights Templar and all these people, the inner circle of the um, Jesuit order. And then you hit the cusp of the web, as I call it. This is where you, you meet the conduit organizations, which take the agenda from the hidden and they pass it through into the, into the scene. These are the Bilderberg Group, the Council on Foreign Relations in America, the, um, the Trilateral Commission, the Club of Rome that was literally, literally set up in the 1960s specifically to um, use the environment and concerns about the environment as um, an excuse to transform human society into a centralized state. And then you come through them and you're into mainstream society. And at that point, the public see governments, government agencies, banking systems, corporations, media organizations, etc., making decisions that appear to be random and in and of themselves coming from those organizations. But the society transforming ones have come from the spider and been played out into the public arena, which is why when I've been around the world, Again and again, I've seen the same things being introduced in different countries around the same time, justified by the same um, excuses. So if you had this web, then you look at a secret society, a secret society, take the Freemasons. The vast majority of Freemasons are on the bottom three levels of degree, the blue degrees. They never get any higher. They haven't got a clue what's going up there. And, you know, I've talked to Freemasons. I talked to a Freemason and I read a book by another Freemason. Um, in uh, America, who um, had gone through up to the uh, the top, and as he was going up, he was getting everything. His his um, his lodge, the head of his lodge, said to him, um, "You should apply for this job." And he said, "Well, uh, I don't think I'd be good enough for the job. I don't I don't, I don't think I would get it." He said, "Just apply for the job." He said, I turned up, and this is about three or four of them, and they were taking this exam for the job. And he said, I, I finished mine ever so quick. And, and I was done. He said, they, they were struggling. <laughs> and uh, he said, I, I got the job. And he said, I learned later. I didn't have the same test they had. <laughs> so this is how it's done. This is how they put their place people. Anyway, he goes on, and eventually he ends up, place I've, I've been outside of it, uh, uh, but although it does... Uh, let tours in every now and again it's the it's the, the 33rd degree of freemasonry um supreme headquarters just down from the white house in washington he turns up there for his 33rd degree initiation and then uh, his friends being initiated and he, he he said he didn't say who they were but he said there were former presidents and there was a, a big christian leader all in the bloody ceremony right and this this 33rd degree and they were they were giving this 33rd degree uh, uh, initiation to these people. He said, a friend of mine, uh, uh, he said, um, I'm told I'm going higher, right? New 900 megabits per second Future Fiber is here. And with total home Wi-Fi included, you can connect all around your home. Get our ultimate speed, reliability and coverage for just £49 a month. New Future Fiber, same great value. Sign up now and get a £100 reward card. Search Talk Talk Future Fiber. Talk Talk for everyone. CPI plus 3.7% annual increase from April 2023. Subject to local availability. Average speeds up to 900 megabits per second. 24-month contract. Reward card issued by Giftcloud. T's and C's apply. He said, what do you mean? We're at the 33rd degree. You can't go any higher. <laughs> he, and he said, this guy left by a different door than him. And, 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 and what it is, is you've got the 33rd degree. You've got the top of these uh, secret societies. And even within the secret society, they believe that's the top. 
So many 33rd degree Freemasons all around the world. Oh, I've made it. And yet above them is another exclusive pyramid, um, which are the people that are, are allowed to be in the real know. And the, the, even within the main secret society structure, they won't know that that exists, never mind what goes on in it. That's where the real stuff is. And then you look at governments, universities, corporations, banks, whatever, and it's all compartmentalized um, concealment of different levels of knowledge. You know, you look at a, a corporation, you've got the few at the top who know what that corporation is really about. They know what its real goal is. They know what it's part of. And as you come down from that corporation, you meet more and more and more people in it. And every time you take a step down, they know less and less and less of what they know. So it, then you, you take that spider's web globally and you have 7.7 billion people in the world, all but a tiny handful, comparatively, are every day contributing to their own and their families' enslavement and global enslavement while having absolutely no idea that's what they're doing because they don't know how what they're doing in isolation connects with that, connects with that, connects with that, connects with that to, to create a very different picture. And what I've done in the last 30 years is connect those dots and then you realize what the direction of the world is. And I've had people, I've had, I remember a, a guy who used to be a big, big person in Shell. I mean, he had a whole kind of uh, uh, country. And he, he came to one of my talks and he said to me afterwards, he said, I've just realized so much about what happened when I was working for Shell. He said, it makes sense now it could, because he was a dot, even at a high level, didn't know how it all fitted together. And this, it, this, so this, uh, this compartmentalization of knowledge is absolutely vital for the whole thing uh, playing out. Then you have the next level of, if you like, defense, which is what is happening in the world and to the world is so utterly, utterly fantastic and extreme compared with what people are told is going on, that there's this chasm that people have to breach between what they've to been told to believe is going on, what they've been told to believe about how the world's uh, controlled and governed, and how it's actually controlled and governed. And of course, when I started out, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, that chasm in most people was so vast that I was the, I was the resident nutter. I couldn't go down a street in Britain without being laughed at. But what's happened now is that that chasm has started to close because, you know, people have started to look at the world and say, um, I don't like the way this is going. And, 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 they have become more and more, not, not the majority yet, but we're, we're getting there, um, more and more open to another explanation because the old ones make no sense anymore. Going back to 9-11, I was a Series 7 licensed stockbroker in America, but then I also had the options license. I was the options manager so anyone who had to place an options trade in my office i had to sign off on their ticket i had the options certificate so i had expertise in the options market which is a small section of the stock market very complicated so the public wouldn't generally understand how options work so when i was trading the stock market 
all these bets came through before 9-11 in the options market. Average daily volume is down here every day for these airlines. And all of a sudden, people betting that the airlines were going to go down and they were going to make hundreds of percents profit. So I see this in the options market and it actually makes headline news. The clip is still on YouTube. I will put the clip in the description box below this video if you want to see this. The newscaster says, all of these trades have gone through in the options market. Surely this must be the terrorists. Will we, this will be traced and we'll get to the root of this. Some of them in London did on the end of a phone in a, ca- <laughs> in a cave in Afghanistan. Then it completely disappeared out of the news. Years later, I'm in maximum security reading David's books. This is helping me piece it together now. This was traced back to an investment bank in the US that was tied right into the CIA. Now that, to me, just broke everything I believed in. It, right there, it said that they knew it was coming beforehand, and, and David confirmed it in his book. But just to go back to what you were describing... Can I say one thing yes, very quickly? Yes, go for it. Um, when the 9-11 Commission reported, which was the official investigation into 9-11... It's the biggest fairy tale since Alice in Wonderland, that is. I mean, it's a joke. In this new book, I absolutely take it apart. It's begging for mercy by the end. Um, But they ignore anything that would show that the official story is not true. And this trade stuff is that they they kind of just touch on it. They don't want to really go into it because it's like you just described. It's like so... We're going to go into it, but to show we thought about it, but then we're going to pull out. And they said this, we have investigated, they said it in an American accent, like, we have investigated uh, these trades and we've got uh, it to uh, uh, someone who's made a lot of trades, but uh, he has no connection to Osama bin Laden. (laughs) And therefore, it's not relevant to 9-11. I mean, you see what happens when you... um, you, you, and this is why, and I show this in the book very clearly, Osama bin Laden came up almost immediately, right? Planes hit buildings, towers come down, bin Laden, bin Laden, bin Laden. What you do is you name your villain early, you, early your fake villain, and that, that holds the, uh, the perception. It's Osama bin Laden. And everything else then, um, there's no more investigation beyond it because we got the villain. Um, and so you see that once... It's Bin Laden did it. Even investigating that ridiculous trading anomaly in airlines um, was brushed aside because the people that were that were, were involved in it were not connected to Osama Bin Laden. And Osama Bin Laden did it, so therefore that can't be relevant. Just once you've got that initial perception of what happened down which is why it's belted out immediately um anything like this happens um then you you've got um you've got control of the situation the other thing that the feds did was anyone that had anything to do with those trades in those brokerages they went to them and interviewed them and then deputized them so that if they ever said anything to anybody they would go in prison themselves Uh. yeah that's how they locked that down now going smack bang to the middle of the spider for a second. Right. Earlier, you said that the people at the center of the spider are people that the public will never, ever know about. 
So the people ultimately responsible for 9-11, are you saying that we will never know who those people are? Um, deep, deep, deep in the rabbit hole. Um, I don't want to go into it now because it's all in the book, but um, it's very, very clear that very key people that were involved in it, both in orchestrating it um, and then covering it up and, quote, investigating it, can be named. They can be named, and I have named them. Um, and then you go deeper in the rabbit hole into the into these these areas of uh, deep in the shadows. But there are many people in the public arena um, who you can you can name uh, because um, it, it's blatantly bloody obvious uh, that that they were involved. You'll see when you read the book why it's blatantly obvious. There's a connection between them all, uh, and uh, so um, yeah, it's possible and and it's 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 vital. I mean. You know, not only did 3,000 people die initially um, on 9-11, look at all the loved ones whose lives have been destroyed. Look at all the people who died as a result of um, the sequence of events that started with 9-11. They deserve justice. And if people want to hurl abuse at me and demonize me for exposing it, well, they just have to do it. I, c I couldn't give a damn. Have you watched From Dust Till Dust on YouTube about the dust, the 9-11 dust? Yeah, I mean, what's happening to those people? I mean, I just, you saw the story the other day where um, actually John Stewart, uh, who's a you know a media personality in America, he he he, um, he made a speech to a I think it was a congressional commission uh, committee, a Capitol Hill committee anyway, on behalf of the firefighters and the first responders who. Um, have been dying and dying and dying and suffering horrendous diseases as a result of what they breathed in uh, from the dust. And, uh, and now uh, they've said the money is running out. You know, the money is running out. You spent a trillion freaking dollars in Afghanistan. What do you mean the money is running out? Uh, because when you when you're a psychopath, Everyone in your sphere is a pawn to your psychopathy. So you use people, and then when they've done their job for you, not knowing they're doing it for you uh, often, then you just hang them out to dry because they're not useful to you anymore. You know, the, their usefulness is past. It's like Henry Kissinger talked about people being useless eaters. Um, a, a, anyone uh, more of a useless eater than Henry Kissinger? Perhaps you'll put a, answers in a postcard, uh, on a postcard, because I can't think of one. I think Bush flew in with his environmental expert and they said, the air quality is fine. Everybody needs to go back to work. And then all those people got, I think more died from the dust than they died from the incident. Yeah, absolutely they did. And, uh, you know, people like 9-11 uh, hero, Mayor um, Rudolf Giuliani um, was um, absolutely massively part of that. Everything's fine. Uh, uh, go back to work. Oh, by the t by the way, I ain't going there. Um, this is the uh, the um, the Giuliani who, with others, um, allowed the steel to be um, rushed away at ridiculous speed um, to the point where. And this was actually in the New York Times. It ended up in um, 
scrap yards in New Jersey and it was being prepared to be shipped to Asia for smelting to become someone's fridge. And this was actually described by the New York Times, a writer in the New York Times, who I think, I think was generally was absolutely shocked. There were um, building experts and engineers who were waiting for the digger to come down to grab some to move it over. And then they were running into the steel and trying to see and grasp anything that might give them an idea of how, how the buildings came down which is not through, um, through fire and uh, uh, aircraft fuel for a start, quite bloody idiocy, that is. Um, and then they had to run because the digger was coming down again. This was described in the New York Times. Uh, if you can think of a scene that has more contempt for those who suffered on 9-11, but then again, we come back to it. They're psychopaths. And what is the trait? There's a thing called the hair test, which was, is named after the guy who came up with it. And it's a series of character traits. And if you have enough, you're a psychopath. Right at the top, lack of empathy. And because uh, empathy is the fail-safe mechanism of human behavior. If you have empathy, then there are limits to what you will do because you, you're having empathy for those suffering the consequences of what you do. You delete empathy. The, there are no emotional consequences, no matter how extreme you are. That's what we're dealing with. And, and, and they were the people behind 9-11. But I, I don't leave it in the trigger as um, psychopaths. I name who the psychopaths were. All of David's books are going to be in a link in the description box below this video. I watched the video of the firemen at the scene talking about shockwaves in the basement of the building. Does that indicate that it was a controlled demolition? Well, um, the 9-11 Commission, brackets, bunch of liars, um, they don't even mention the third building that fell that day. Most people don't even realize three buildings fell. I think two buildings fell, three buildings fell. The other one was called Building 7, also known as the Salomon Building. And um, if you go on the internet and you put in Building 7, um, controlled demolition put it on youtube go onto youtube and put that in and you'll see the most obvious controlled demolition you will ever see this is why there's an organization called um, architects and engineers for 9-11 truth um, which are experts in their, their profession building architects engineers who came together because the official story of what made the buildings fall is so ludicrous and of course uh, demands the suspension of the laws of physics, um, that they came together to say, hey, this is, this is, this is not true, that we're being lied to. And um, they, um, they say very openly, it was controlled demolition. And um, the uh, Building 7 was the most obvious one. You know, you see these every now and again, you'll see a stadium come down or a big building come down on the news, you know. And what, what they do, they put... Um, they put um, explosives very carefully in different uh, key parts of the building. So when the explosives are set off, uh, the building falls not only on its own footprint, so it's not going over and smacking other things, but it's coming down where as it falls, the 
um, building underneath it is being exploded. So there's no resistance to what's coming down, right? That's how they do a controlled demolition. Well, the Twin Towers, 110 stories, came down in freefall time. Now, how do you do that if there's resistance? What we're told is it was all pancaking. You know, oh, they, they hit, and then that fell, and then that fell. Well, look at me. Now, tell me how that happens in freefall time. Impossible. So... Um, it, it, it was a controlled demolition. And go, go and look at Building 7. It's the most obvious controlled demolition. What happens is you, that there's, there's puffs of smoke come out for a start. That's the first explosion. And then the building just stops and then falls straight down on itself on its own footprint. That's classic controlled demolition. Um, and the reason the 9-11 Commission did not mention at all Building 7 is because they couldn't possibly explain how it felt like that without being a controlled demolition. And if it's a controlled demolition, then it must have been, uh, the explosives must have been put in um, in the weeks, sometimes months before. It takes a long time to to put these explosives in. You, it, 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 and, and of course, Building 7 wasn't hit by anything. It wasn't hit by a plane or nothing. So you talk about phony commissions, perhaps the phoniest investigation in the last century, one of them, was the investigation into the JFK assassination. Who do you think killed JFK and why? Well, um, he, was, he, was, um, he was doing a few things at the time. Um, he wanted to break the um, CIA up into a thousand pieces. He was resisting a number of areas that this cabal agenda wanted to wanted to happen. Um, he was also starting to... He, he was resistant to... Uh, the escalation of the Vietnam War. And what happened when Lyndon Johnson came in as a result of the assassination is he reversed everything that Kennedy was was doing. Of course, that's when the uh, Vietnam War exploded um, uh, with, um, with Johnson. Um, and the again, the story was classic. It was 9-11, really. Bin Laden did it because the the moment uh, that uh, basically it happened, uh, the the villain was named Leo V. Oswald, and you know there was a wonderful wonderful comedian from the southern states of America called Bill Hicks who he did some most amazing stuff and he used to do nine eleven. Unfortunately, Bill died at the age of I think it was thirty three. Great loss. And he he said, uh, oh, you know, he said. Uh, you know, in the book depository building in Daly Plaza, <laughs> he said, they've got the window exactly as it was. It's like a museum thing. Exactly as it was when Kennedy was shot. And it's right down to every perfect detail because Oswald's not there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and and, 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 and you, you look at the Zabruder film, which was taken by um, Abraham Zabruder. Uh, on a one of the early cine cameras, and it's it's basically the only film of the assassination. And Kennedy gets hit in the forehead, and his head goes back. Um, and he's supposed to have been shot by Lee Harvey Oswald over there, right? So unless they had U-turn bullets. 
it's impossible. So, the, but they had the patsy, and uh, and and therefore, um, and of course, you look at um, Timothy McVeigh, who was the patsy for the Oklahoma bombing. I mean, that's another ludicrous story that doesn't stand up. He was U.S. military, um, and then you had Lee Harvey Oswald. He was connected to the CIA, and you see, um, and I would say a lot of this comes down as well to some of the at least some of the so-called 9-11 hijackers if you control people you put them in the wrong place for their point of view the right place for your point of view at the right time but they think they're there for another reason and so when what happens happens and they didn't know it was going to happen you now have your patsy in the right place at the right time to pin the blame on them right so um with um, Timothy McVeigh and Oklahoma, he's supposed to have been, he's supposed to have turned up in a rider truck and um, with a bomb and put it outside the building and it blew the building up. Not according to building experts, it didn't. Uh, but anyway, according to the FBI, it did, which is quite another thing. But he was supposed to be casing the joint for like weeks before because he was targeting the um, Brewer Alcohol and Tobacco and Firearms uh, group that, it, according to the official story, he blamed for Waco two years before. Well, if you're going to target them, then when you can park the truck right next to where they are in the building and you park it instead on the opposite side of the building and that um, when the when the bomb went off, there was not one uniformed member of the Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms in the building, but the bomb squad was around the building um, hours before as the parents who brought their children to the daycare center in the building, which never to see him alive again, saw. And he was casing the joint for weeks. But when he came in to Oklahoma in the rider truck, supposedly with the bomb, he pulls over to a gas station to ask the way to the Murrah building. All right. This guy's been casing it. He's, he's put in the right place, the wrong place from his point of view, at the right time to be blamed for it. This is what happened. Same with, uh, with, um, with Lee Harvey Oswald. And in the end, um, for whatever reason, they wanted Kennedy gone. Um, part of it, I think, was he's pushing back against uh, their, uh, their agenda to an extent. Um, there's probably deeper reasons, and we can't get into it now, but there's... there's you know, these people do carry out sacrificial sacrifices um, according to their satanic ritual law in plain sight. We see them um, on the news as a disaster or an assassination. But in a book called The Biggest Secret, which I wrote and published in 1998, I go into Diana's murder and Kennedy assassination and I show the esoteric ritual nature of both so that's another uh, point uh, about it too um, they everything to them is a ritual watching the Kennedy assassination video it's almost like one bullet goes in he goes back and his head goes forward as well it's as if he's being triangulated by snipers shooting from different directions yeah. it was your work that turned me on to the work of Jim Mars Jim Mars yeah I know Jim. fantastic uh, research no longer with us, unfortunately. Yeah, God bless Jim. So, reading his work, was it E. Howard Hunt? He left a, a, a there's a video of him on his deathbed saying he was the head of the hit team that day, and also Barry Seal's 
wife, ex-wife, said that Barry Seal was the getaway pilot for the hit team? Absolutely. Because, uh, um, you know, uh, Barry Seal, of course, who ran uh, drugs, uh, flew drugs for the Bushes and the Clintons, who were, which was part of the CIA um, drug running operation. They, uh, for people who haven't come across this, they run drugs, uh, not least to raise the money to spend on their covert projects, which therefore does not have a government money trail that can be uh, uncovered because they externally fund it. And I've written a book on that called American Made about the Clinton, Bush, bringing in the cocaine, financed all the Contras, Maine, Arkansas. Link to that book is in the description box below the video as well. Yeah, and there are, there are a number of researchers who pointed to um, George H.W. Um, Bush being in Dallas that day. Um, and, and that would fit with Barry Seal because, of course, they were uh, working together. But you look at... Um, um, Jim Garrison, the uh, district attorney, is the only person who's ever brought anyone to, to trial um, over the Kennedy assassination, a bloke called Clay Shaw. And uh, Clay Shaw um, was... Um, actually, he worked with Churchill during the war, Clay Shaw. Uh, and he was connected to all these nefarious secret society, uh, inner fed, what we now call deep state organisations. And the basic reason that Clay Shaw got off was because key witnesses had this unfortunate um, habit of dying before they could give evidence. Um, so it, it, it was it was classic. I mean, when you think about it, you know, um, it was so such a rush. They kill him. They get him in a plane. They get him to Washington where they've got control of it. Johnson becomes president on the plane and then transforms everything that Kennedy did, including pushing us into a, a grotesque Vietnam War. So it was to get rid of him so that someone else could come in. Because, I mean, Lyndon Johnson, I mean, I mean to, to call a U.S. president a crook, I mean, pe people, anyone who knows anything will go, yeah, and? But this guy is a real crook. I mean, he really was. He was desperately crooked, uh, Lyndon Johnson, and uh, was completely owned by this cabal. So Jack Ruby, he didn't last long either, did he? Well, this is a classic. Um, you had with the Kennedy assassination um, a patsy who very quickly sussed he was a patsy and actually said it. You remember on the film. Like a deer in the headlights. Yeah, well, he's, he's on the film. He's on the film. He's, he's, outside, he's outside the police station, something like that. And the press are there and all that stuff. And he shouted, I'm a patsy. Uh, i.e. I'm someone who's been set up to take the, the, the blame. And so they were going to bring him to court. Worst nightmare. What's he going to say? So um, we'll, we'll take him. We'll take him through a... Um, this, this, this man who's said to have been killed the president, who's kind of... Everyone wants to strangle him, even though he didn't do it. So what we'll do, we'll take him through a public area in an underground car park, and uh, we'll have Jack Ruby, who's one of ours. Bang, gone. No trial. Job done. And then you have the uh, Warren Commission looking into it, uh, which was full of crooks, and a number of people are actually involved in the assassination. This is how it... Uh, did I mention the 9-11 Commission? And did I, did I mention... Did I mention 9-11? Because it's a repeating pattern. You know, if it works, then keep doing it. How long did Jack stay alive after that? Well, they put him in jail and then he kind of just he kind of just disappeared from the news. So who knows what happened to him? But he was one of their lads. Yeah. 
Because hundreds died around that, didn't they? Witnesses, potential witnesses. So I'm watching the series about Madeleine McCann and just absolutely horrified and heartbroken when it they brought these private investigators in and they uncovered this huge paedophile ring throughout Europe. And they, they were showed all the pictures of all the kids that had gone missing that this paedophile ring had that were advertising to each other for sex. And reading your stuff about elite paedophile rings and Jimmy Savile, it all tied into that then because when you were calling Jimmy Savile out, people were laughing at you. Yeah, of course. But everything you said came completely true so how are these elite pedophile works uh, networks structured well they're structured in the same way as the spider web is structured in fact they are fundamental that 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 they run it runs through the veins of the spider's web if you like it runs through the strands uh, i said earlier that when i start investigating these uh, family bloodlines that are behind all this invariably you hit pedophilia and satanism and the two are uh, combined which really um didn't surprise me when as the revelations about jimmy savile uh began to unfold and unfold and unfold eventually he was it was said that he was a he was a satanist pedophilia and satanism um go together and and what um what the savile situation was because it came out in the public arena it was a little doorway. New 900 megabits per second Future Fiber is here. And with total home Wi-Fi included, you can connect all around your home. Get our ultimate speed, reliability and coverage for just £49 a month. New Future Fiber, same great value. Sign up now and get a £100 reward card. Search Talk Talk Future Fiber. Talk Talk for everyone. CPI plus 3.7% annual increase from April 2023. Subject to local availability. Average speeds up to 900 megabits per second. 24-month contract. Reward card issued by GiftCloud. T's and C's apply. And staggering, given that he was a record-breaking paedophile, staggering it may be for me to say, but it's true, a tiny doorway. Because this thing is vast. I mean, we're going to go, we, we, we would go deep, deep into some really deep esoteric things about why they want sex with children but there's a reason for it. Um, and the, uh, the scale of it is absolutely vast. Um, I, I was traveling America in the 1990s um, from about 96. Uh, and I met a lot of people who were involved in MKUltra, the government uh, CIA military mind control operation. Uh, that came to public attention, but only a tiny part of it. Um, and these were people, uh, kids, who were taken into the project at a very young age, sometimes five, six years of age. Um, and then they were tr- uh, used as mind-control, basically uh, mind-controlled assets to do various things. Um, and, but, but, but what that... What happened within that whole MK Ultra was this vast sex with children ring was part of it. And I've named them in my books a long time ago. Um, people like uh, Father George Bush was a notorious, up from the, on the inside, uh, serial paedophile and torturer of children. Um, um, and uh, so many of these people were. And there is a global network. And, you know, 
I was helping someone in America once who'd lost their adopted um, twins to the system who had given these adopted twins to um, a, a woman, a single woman, um, which was a crazy thing to do uh, on the face of it for the benefit of the kids. And the kids weren't treated very well by this woman who was connected into this whole ring. So in doing that, um, I started to realize how many children went missing every year. And what I did is I called the federal government. and I, I wanted figures for the number of children went missing every year. And they said, we don't keep them. You tell me how many cars went missing and tell me how many children went missing. They said, you're going to have to ring every state. So I started ringing every state. I don't know. I got, I got to about 10 and 15. And I, I, I'm in such a figure by then of, um, of children going missing. It's, it was staggering. So you see um, a story like Madeleine McCann and what people do, and I do understand it, they get a feel for how many kids go missing and are never found by how many missing kids stories end up in the media. That is so tiny, it's almost infinitesimal compared with the kids that go missing. And then I was talking to a Zulu shaman in um, South Africa, Credo Mutwa. He starts telling me that the, uh, one of the biggest uh, problems they're having in their area is children going missing. Children are going missing all over the world. It's, it's, it's a, a, a stunning thing. And they get trafficked. They get trafficked out to famous people for, for sex um, and, and other abuse. And you realize the scale it's going on. But again, you, you're, into that, you're into that chasm between what's happening and what people think is going on. So they think, oh, it's so fantastic. That can't be happening. It's happening. And a lot of them end up dead in the end. Um, I, I was the one, of course, that came out in, um, in The Biggest Secret, which, came, which was published in 1998 and named Ted Heath as a pedophile Satanist. And, um, and of course, it took 17 years for his name to then hit the public arena for um, the, um, the pedophilia. And, and so, and this goes into the very, uh, the very top of society. The ratio of pedophiles and Satanists in the upper echelons of the societal hierarchy is vastly greater in the general population. There's a lot in the general population, but in um, the upper level, the ratio is ridiculous. And so you, you look at the Savile story, and it, it was that window. So um, I remember Jimmy Savile as a kid, um, and he was a disc jockey. They called him a disc jockey. He was a strange man. He had this white hair and he, you know, all that stuff. And he became Jim or Fix It with kids and everything, you know. Um, and... Um, and he, he was a strange man. Then he kind of disappeared. And he got old and old and old. And what happened to him? Um, but it turns out that even though uh, he had no obvious uh, income stream after he dropped out of being a famous so-called entertainer, he, he had houses all over the place. He had loads of cars. He had a Bentley and all this stuff. Where's the money coming from? What was lost in the revelations about Jimmy Savile, is the reason that he got away with it. He was a procurer of children for the rich and famous. That's how he got away with it. Uh, and he, he, uh, they had to watch his back to watch their own. 
Um, and so he would provide children for these rich and famous people. This is why he, he, he was uh, on very friendly terms with Ted Heath. Um, and uh, so then you look at the other area of that Savile story that's never been um, explored, which absolutely should be, and it is this. In, in Savile's own words, in the 1960s, Lord Mountbatten, a known paedophile, invites Savile, who's a disc jockey, into the heart of the British royal family. It's, why, it's how he became a close friend of Prince Charles, a close friend for a long time until they fell out of Prince Philip, and in the inner circle, including the Queen. Sorry, banging that. Um, and, um, and he remained at, in that inner center of the, um, the circle, the inner circle of the royal family, right up to his death, basically. And a friend of Charles right up to his death. And I met a lady... Um, in fact, uh, I met her in a house I lived in just down the road from here. She came over to the Isle of Wight, spoke to me for a long time, who was a longtime friend of, um, of Princess Diana, friend of hers for about nine years. And she told me about Savile. She told me about Savile because Diana had told her, and she knew from other sources as well. Um, and she, she described how um, when... Diana was married to Charles, um, that uh, Savile was always all, all, all around, all the time, and she, she thought he was sleazy and horrible and could stand him. Well, the reason he was there, he's let's put this together, he's at, he's at the inner core of the British royal family circle, and he's a procurer of children for the rich and famous, right? Now let's take another step. I remember seeing a film, just very quickly, a report that um, the Queen was making a visit to this place. And this guy came up, and he's, he's, he's in the crowd, and he's, he's going to protest, right? The security services knew he was there and came across. They knew he was there. They knew he was going. They knew he was going to be in the crowd. And you can't cough anywhere near the Queen without the security forces know about it and special branch know about it. The police clearly knew, because they interviewed him a number of times, that Jimmy Savile was a paedophile. And he's allowed into the inner circle of the British royal family and special branch and MI5 are not screaming, what's going on? He's a paedophile. What, what, what are you doing allowing him in there? No. He's allowed, while being interviewed by the police from time to time over paedophilia, to be in the inner circle of the royal family. Now, here's another one. Anyone thinks that's a coincidence? I've got some seafront property in Birmingham you'll I like to <laughs> buy sight unseen. But they got away with it because the, the system watches its own back. And, um, you know... They're not even questioned about it. It's 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 incredible. And then and then what happened, of course, when they had the so-called inquiry, when Theresa May was Home Secretary, she has this inquiry because she's forced into it by public opinion, basically, to um, into elite paedophilia. Um, they um, 
she names someone who's clearly unacceptable and had to stand down because she wasn't. She, she then names another person who's clearly unacceptable and had to stand down because she wasn't. And, and what they're doing is they're putting time between the uproar in public and uh, the, um, the point where anything happens. And now um, uh, this, this inquiry is still going on, but of course it's hardly ever mentioned. How nefarious were the activities of Ted Heath and Saville? Was, was Heath buggering boys and throwing them off boats and was Saville a necro? Oh, yeah. I, um, yeah. I'm, uh, th- this lady who um, was Princess Diana's friend for nine years, um, she told me that uh, Saville was a necrophiliac, um, sex with dead bodies, etc. Why do people think that he volunteered to be a porter at Leeds Hospital. It gave him access to the mortuary. Um, and so um, I was, she, she told me that, and, and then it came out later publicly that he was a necrophiliac. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, these people are not the same as everyone else. Just think of the empathy deletion necessary to do what he did at just that one man. Um, and Ted Heath, um, I was told about him by a series of people who, um, most of the people that had Ted Heath abused, the children, they, they didn't survive. Because Ted Heath uh, was at a very famous face. Um, you know, the more people he abused who stayed alive, the, the dodger it gets for his survival. And so he used to, he, they used to be killed, uh, most of them. Uh, but I was told by a number of people, uh, and it built up over a period of time, of um, what um, what he did. And there was, I won't say what it is, because for obvious reasons, but when Wiltshire Police um, and... Um, the chief constable at the time, who was has been not chief constable anymore, they kind of you know, um, they they got him removed eventually, because you don't take these people on if you're in the system, uh, and survive. But um, he um, or or the investigation team mentioned something when they were investigating Heath, that there was something that he did, that was kind of. I would say very, very strange. And that gave them sort of confidence that these people were telling the truth because what they were describing was fantastic. And you really couldn't make it up. And you certainly couldn't make it up across several different people unconnected with each other. Well, I, I know what that was because uh, I was told by um, some of these people who claimed to be abused by Heath what he did when he was abusing them. And you absolutely could not make it up. If you, if you, if we, if you sat here for, uh, you know, the next hour saying, "Is it this? Is it that?" I just say no every time because you wouldn't get it because it's so fantastic. Um, and that gave me confidence as well because they were describing this particular way he did things that was so outrageous and yet incredibly consistent across all these these people, formerly kids. Um, that I was confident enough to go with it. And there was a journalist, well, what passes to be, uh, passes to be a journalist on the Isle of Wight, 
Uh, when The Biggest Secret came out in uh, 1998, um, she called Ted Heath, uh, who was still had set, he was still in, in the parliament for another seven years after this, um, and, um, and read him the passage. And all he said was, David Icke must be mad. That was it. And I, you see what I've accused him of? Um, but never went anywhere because they don't want this stuff in court. Uh, what, one other thing, very quickly, what, one of the little tricks they do is when, when they're really in trouble over pedophilia and stuff or whatever, stuff like that, they'll produce someone who um, doesn't tell the truth. Um, they'll name the people that others are naming truthfully and then there'll be explosives of fraud. And in doing that, they uh, seek to, and it works, they seek to discredit all those people who are telling the truth through one who is system who is not telling the truth, either through mind control or through the fact that he's just doing it because he's doing it. Do you think another strategy is to satisfy the public outrage by sacrificing lower-level paedophiles, oh, yeah. such as um, Rolf Harris, Clifford, etc.? Yeah, well, what they do, uh, if you notice what happened when, when the story broke, is they went for um, uh, people um, like um, Dave Lee Travers and stuff like that, which wasn't for paedophilia. It was for what was alleged to be, um, you know, sexual inappropriation with women, right? Uh, but what did that do? Dave Lee Travers, uh, you know, and, and all these others. Mm, mm. And, and it, it's, it's moving the focus from the political paedophiles. I mean, the, the scale of it is absolutely fantastic. And it's happening in America as it's happening in Britain, as it's happening around the world. It's a ring. If you go deep enough into it, there's a reason why they're obsessed with sex, uh, of sex with children. Uh, it, it's uh, it, in the briefest summary, they are trawling the energy of children, um, and this has been explained to me by insiders in the West. It's been explained to me the same thing happening by the shaman in South Africa. Um, and um, there was um, there have been other books with other sources. They talk about the same thing. It's they're sucking the energy out of the kids because there's a particular energy before puberty. See, we see puberty as a hormonal chemical change, but actually, it's an energetic change which expresses itself hormonally and chemically. Um, one's an expression of the other. There's an energetic change that goes on. Uh, in the electromagnetic fields of the body uh, at what we call puberty. They want the energy before that, before that change takes place. It's, a, it's, it's a, like a nectar to them. Because, uh, I mean, you know, this world is nothing like we think it is, and that which is controlling it is nothing like we think it is. And I would just say this to people. Look at the night sky and think that you are looking at a tiny fraction of the Milky Way galaxy and um, according to the latest highest estimate there are about two trillion galaxies in the universe 
and that what we see and experience is a tiny band of frequency called visible light, um, which is so tiny it's almost laughable. Everything else that exists beyond it, uh, our TV channel, if you like, is unseen to us. Now tell me that humans are the only form of life that we call intelligent life. When we're living on a planet, which according to mainstream science is the equivalent compared with the size of the universe of a billionth of a pinhead. Um, in other words, the idea that we are alone is insane. And eventually you go through this web, that spider is not human. And it's that spider that is looking for the, the prepubescent energy of children. Uh, and, um, and, and it absorbs it through these pedophile satanic rings. Um, it, it's, it, honestly, you know, people can laugh if they like, I don't care. I'm after the truth, not a round of applause. And um, uh, the world is nothing like we think it is. And it's, so it's when you get into these deep levels that the world of the scene starts to make sense. Well, the laughing less and less as everything you've written about is slowly coming true or quickly coming true. You've provoked a lot of thoughts in me there. So when I used to get to America as a younger person, I was shocked. I'd go to the post office and I'd see all these pictures of all these missing children all plastered all over the walls. I couldn't believe it. With Madeleine McCann, do you think she is dead uh, and the culprits will ever be found? Well, unless um, something goes wrong with the cover-up, they'll never be found. Um, I mean, you know, the, the rings are very, very um, efficient in the way they work. They are well honed. They have their backs watched. Um, I mean, you look at that story and it's not impossible that Madeleine McCann is actually connected to Belgium. Belgium is a, 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 an extraordinary center for paedophilia, as is Britain. Uh, and um, there was the... Um, the Dutro uh, uh, pedophile uh, child abuser who was uh, went to jail for it, um, um, and he was keep. They found kids in a in like a a, a cage, a, a dungeon that he was keeping, and and that was that was Belgian's Jimmy Savile. It opened the door, and it was leading. Of course, it was leading. It always leads to the upper echelon of society in um in belgium and the guy uh, the genuine investigator see there was a genuine investigator of the um the the, the pedophile and child abuse in jersey and because he was genuine and he was being supported by his his chief of police who was also genuine they got rid of him and they got rid of this investigator in belgium who was genuine and he was started to get closer and closer to the big fish so they get rid of him and people come in and suddenly it's all shut down which happened in jersey and it happened in belgium so th these things are these, these things are everywhere so and, and what they do is another thing that the, the scale of it and the organization of it is extraordinary they steal children to order they will be asked for a child, maybe blue-eyed and blonde-haired with certain characteristics. They will then scan society looking for that child that, that meets those criteria of the client. And then they will steal them. 
Um, I, I've I've met people who've been in mind control projects in America. I met one in um, in um, California once, um, and she'd come out of it. But there were there were kids running around in the room, and she says every time I see kids running around, she says my heart goes because. Um, if I was doing what I did before, she was doing it under my control. Um, any of those kids, I'd have them away. And you never see them again. One of the things they do is they, they'll have a van or a white van or a van. And, and they'll sit there. And they'll just wait for the child to be far enough away from parental help or whatever. In the back of the van. And away. Um, or they might even just sit there. In the van, the man moves. Like there's no one, no one. Oh, you know, van drove away, and then they drive it away, uh, and um, those kids are never seen again. They're they're trafficked or whatever, and, and most of them end up dead. Um, because when you have no empathy, and uh, you, you you are completely consumed by psychopathy, you know. I, I remember once um, I, when the, when the stuff. It never gets matter of fact, but you have to step back from it. When you research it, like I do, you have to step back from it. Otherwise, it will destroy you emotionally. Um, and when I was in America and a series of things happened and I, I realized the scale of it. I remember I, I was watching a movie that, that night. I was traveling around America and um, in a cinema. And I turned around as we were walking out and, and a father was carrying his little child boy over his shoulder. So um, the boy was looking back at me as his father went forward. I was standing behind. And I looked at this child's face. And I just started to cry because I'm looking at that face of an innocent little kid. And um, that ch children like that on, in vast numbers all over the world are being abused. They're being murdered. They're being sacrificed. And uh, most p people, members of the public, are going, oh, it's too fantastic. That would be ridiculous. And, and, of course, as they do that, the people are actually doing it, go on doing it unchallenged. Um, and, and that's that's what I, you know, I've named so many of them. I've named in my book since the 1990s, Father George Borsch and, and, uh, and, and Ted Heath. And uh, I, I mentioned Lord McAlpine in regard to paedophilia in The Biggest Secret in 1998. There was no, um, no, no, court case and yet when someone didn't name in on the bbc but it was taken that he was talking about lord mcalpine all hell broke loose he's threatening to sue everybody um that the speaker's wife in the houses of parliament pays him 50 grand or something for not uh, you know actually coming out with it outright so i think george Monbiot, another excuse for a journalist on the guardian paid him something all these people and they weren't even saying he was a paedophile. They were just like tongue-in-cheek, uh, like not, you know, pointing towards him. And while that was going on, I was putting on my internet site, the guy's a freaking paedophile. Never came for me. Um, and, and this is how they, this is how they, they, uh, they kind of bat it away. You know, one of the reasons they didn't... Um, uh, they never got Savile, although there, there were some people that tried, um, is because he threatened legal action. And then there was a guy called Peter Morrison, MP in Chester, 
who was a close, close bosom buddy of Margaret Thatcher throughout her prime ministerial period and before she became leader of the Conservative Party, who was a known paedophile. Edwina Curry, a Conservative MP, in her diaries said that um, she was worried, you know, in one of her diary entries, she was worried that um, Pete, uh, um, uh, Peter Morrison was going to be given a, a job by Margaret Thatcher that, 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 that might be damaging the Conservative Party because, of course, he's a known paedophile. And she says in the diary that um, Norman Tebbit, who was chairman of the Conservative Party, um, had, had talked to Peter, uh, um, to talk to the MP, Peter Morrison, about his paedophile activities, but, but Peter Morrison promised to be discreet. So now we have it in Igwina Curry's own diary. The chairman of the Conservative Party knew this guy was a paedophile. And I, I remember the, the former Daily Mirror editor saying they wanted to get Peter Morrison for his paedophilia, but he always threatened with them with um, legal action. So now you have a paedophile, Peter Morrison, who was a very close associate and supporter and bosom buddy of Margaret Thatcher. You have Lord McAlpine, who was the Svengali and money uh, uh, maker for the campaigns of Margaret Thatcher. And you had Margaret Thatcher, who was a close friend of Jimmy Savile, who was a close friend of the British royal family. We are, it's a cesspit, Sean. A freaking cesspit. And we have to have the bollocks to say so. And if we're sure of our facts, to name names and not worry about consequences, but let the names worry about the consequences. Because they'll never have those consequences while people are in fear of speaking the truth. So I was raised Catholic, and I know Catholic priests that do good work around the world. But then I watch these documentaries on Netflix, like Sins of the Father, where these paedophile priests catholic church brings in the highest priced lawyers gets some either minimum sentences or no sentences promises the victims that justice will be served and they'll be disciplined this won't happen again and all they do is move them 20 miles away to another area where they do exactly the same thing and then they come in and protect them and protect them and protect them is the vatican running and protecting one of the biggest paedophile networks in the world 100 percent. you see again you've got you have to connect dots and, and you have to connect dots not just in present day but across the centuries the church of rome what is now known as the roman church is the church of babylon relocated christianity is the is a publicly acceptable face of the religion of babylon and the Babylonian religion involved paedophilia and Satanism. It was a satanic religion. Therefore, um, as humanity uh, started to grow up and mature a bit and uh, sacrifice in your face publicly was no longer acceptable, it started to go on the ground. When abuse of children, paedophilia and stuff, um, became unacceptable it went underground it didn't stop it just went into the shadows uh and so in babylon they had um the uh, trinity of nimrod the father god 
uh, Ninos Tamos, the virgin-born son, and they had on the third point of the Trinity, Queen Semiramis, the goddess. Um, and they said in, the, in their stories that Nimrod died and became the sun god Baal, who impregnated Semiramis with the rays of the sun, and therefore she gave a virgin birth to Ninos Tamos. New 900 megabits per second future fiber is here. And with total home Wi-Fi included, you can connect all around your home. Get our ultimate speed, reliability and coverage for just £49 a month. New future fiber, same great value. Sign up now and get a £100 reward card. Search Talk Talk Future Fiber. Talk Talk for everyone. CPI plus 3.7% annual increase from April 2023. Subject to local availability. Average speeds up to 900 megabits per second. 24-month contract. Reward card issued by GiftCloud. T's and C's apply. Um, when the Babylonian religion relocated to Rome, they this is this is how you know that, that Rome almost seamlessly moved to Christianity because to people <laughs> not much had changed. Mm. Um, they they had the um, uh, the Trinity of the Father God brackets Nimrod, Jesus the Virgin Born Son brackets Nanos Timos, uh, uh, Ninos and. At the other uh, point of the pyramid was is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, which they symbolize as a dove. That was Queen Semiramis's symbol in, um, in, in Babylon. And what they did is they took all the attributes given by the Babylonians to Queen Semiramis, Virgin Mother, Queen of Heaven, all that stuff, and they gave them to the invented figure of Mother Mary. Um, and they moved on. And so... All these religions, that Christianity is a, is a, a, a dual religion. There's the, um, the, the mass of the religion, which operates in the public arena. And that's where they do things like the Eucharist. You know, they drink the blood as red wine and they, uh, they eat the flesh as a biscuit. And then there's the core of it, which is the religion of Babylon. And they literally drink the blood and literally eat the flesh. Right. And that's, of course, much smaller than that. Very smaller than that. But that's that's the that's the dynamic, you see. And so um, the obsession that this has and this network has with paedophilia. I mean, you know, you've got choir boys everywhere. You know, if you if you if you if you if you're a paedophile, um, are you going to go where there's only adults? I want to get a job where there's only adults. I'm a paedophile. No, you're going to go where the children are. So you have to look at the care homes, lack of it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, this is not knocking people at work, work with children in care homes. There's a fantastic number of people who are absolutely genuine people and care for the kids. Not knocking that, not talking in generalizations. I'm talking in 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 the in in the numbers that that are not like that so you look at care homes you look at children's homes you look at um churches with all the choir boys look where the children are and you'll find the pedophiles it i mean it, it's it's not an obvious cause and effect is it really and so you look at the structure of the roman church it's 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 obviously going to attract an enormous number of pedophiles and of course also when you, um, when you completely usurp the natural energetic order 
And you say you can only be a priest if you don't get married and you don't have sex. Well, that um, impulse, which is obviously a natural impulse, that's how, we, that, that's how humans are still alive, uh, 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 we have new generations. Well, it's going to express itself in, in distorted ways um, and not, not the ways that it would normally express itself. That's not to, uh, to excuse it. My God, I'm the last person in the world who would excuse it. I've spent you know, decades bloody, uh, uncovering it. But you, that too um, is, um, is, is part of, of how this stuff manifests. So you mentioned several, and that's led on to the next question. I read Princess Di's book in her own words. You said about him having access to all of the inner royal circle. When Di and Charles were going through friction, he was brought in as the as a marriage yeah. guidance counsellor. Absolutely. And Diana wrote in a book that she found him creepy, and she yeah. was you know she was wondering why he was there as well. Yeah, well, this, this lady who's uh, Diana's friend, she told me that story. Um, what would it be? 1997, I think she told me the story. It was after, it was after, the, after Diana died. Um, and, and she mentioned that, that, you know, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, Diana was saying, what do you mean? He's coming in to, as, a, as a go-between. What? Now, where was all this when Savile was, um, was revealed for what he was? Why wasn't Prince Charles sat and questioned about his relationship with Savile and what he knew? Because he had to know. Don't tell me you didn't know Charlie, you bloody liar. Of course he knew. So, so why, why, why is he still uh, um, standing in line to be the next king and not standing in line for the next slop out? Why? Because the establishment looks after its own. Wasn't one of the royals caught up with the Lolita Express, the island, the investment Oh, yeah, banker. Prince Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, Epstein. Epstein, that's it, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. little black book, which Blair was in and Trump was in. Clinton. And, and uh, the, uh, the paedophile um, uh, plane um, of Epstein, which um, Bill Clinton took many rides in. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, honestly, you know, if people only knew the scale of what goes on in the world, um, they would see the world through, through, through very different eyes. Because uh, the world is not what that freaking thing in the corner tells you. It's not what the uh, internet giants tell you. It's what's actually happening. And that's what they don't want to tell you. What flabbergasted me the most in Di's book, in her own words, was she wrote that she'd sent a letter to her lawyer saying that she thought Charles was going to have her killed Possibly by a car accident. So who do you think killed Di and why? And was she pregnant? Well, I don't know if, he, I don't know if she was pregnant, but, but um, uh, I, I, I think that that whole story was, um, was full of holes and full of propaganda rather than truth. Um, but you mentioned the letter. The friend of Diana... Um, she was a alternative healer at the, uh, what was then called, it's still there, the Hope Clinic near um, Regent's Park. And Diana used to go to her for treatment. And uh, this lady told me that, uh, quote, friendly people from MI5 
used to come and leave notes and uh, uh, for Diana because um, they knew she would pick them up and um, not be, um, you know, they could do it covertly. And she said that um, some of these notes from MI5, friendly people in MI5, um, were warning Diana that her life was in danger. So, it, 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 you know, the idea that um, the official story of Diana's death is how it was is insane. Um, I mean, you know, there's so many uh, uh, holes in it. Um, first of all, her security that day, which which was decided by Mohammed El Fayed, by the way, was absolutely insane. Um, it was much less than someone like Madonna would get. Um, and they were offered the chance by the French authorities for uh, the, the, the French uh, area of the authorities, which looked after celebrities and the security of celebrities in Paris um, to increase the security, and it was turned down. And then you have this situation where um, they decide it was Dodi Firehead on, on the phone to his father, and they decided, in other words, father must have decided because he, he ran Dodi Firehead with a, a rod of iron, really, in terms of everything he said went. And um, they decided that they were going to put a decoy car out the front, which was the car that Diana and him had been traveling in around Paris all day. And they were also going to put the, um, the one protection vehicle with that to um, kid the... Um, they were going to put it out the front to kid the so-called paparazzi that um, they were going to come out. Because they'd been putting out, I think through Max Clifford, uh, that it, there was a possible um, announcement of an engagement, all that stuff coming. So there was a bit of a frenzy, which was all kind of whipped up during the day. And the other plan was that another car would be brought out the back and they would go to uh, Dodie Fayed's uh, flat next to the Arc de Triomphe in that car and that Henri Paul, the security guy at Ritz Hotel, would be pulled in, back in from wherever he was. He disappeared for three hours. No one seems to know where he went to drive the car. And the, the limousine company that provided the car was basically controlled by Mohammed Al-Fayed because they, they, it was getting its, its, um, its clientele from the Ritz Hotel. This car had... Um, had been stolen some time before, had a few things ripped out of it. I think the, the wheels disappeared. Um, and, and, and then it was kind of out of action and stuff was done on it and repaired. And then this was the car that turned up. Now, when you talk to um, security people, they say the idea of bringing a new car into a situation, there you go, late at night, which had been not checked at all, there could have been a bomb in it, there could have been anything in it, um, was ridiculous and insane. So they now get in the car. They could have stayed the night at the Ritz Hotel if they were worried about the paparazzi. I mean, you know, Alfaya did bloody own it, or at least in theory. And then, so Henry Paul gets in the car and he drives. Now, what you do, because I went to Paris, I, I, walk, I walked the route twice. I went, when I was researching The Biggest Secret, I walked the route twice. 
you you come out the back of the Ritz Hotel and you come down to a street, you turn right, and eventually you come to the uh, Place de la Concorde, which has a big obelisk um, in the middle of it, which is all secret society, Freemasonic, Egyptian stuff. It's, it's an actually an original ancient Egyptian obelisk. And then you turn right in the middle of the square and you go up the Champs-Élysées and there's his flat. And that, because they'd been to his flat uh, a couple of times that day, and that's the route they took. When they were coming to the Ritz Hotel, they came down the Champs-Élysées, onto the Place de la Concorde, up that street, bang, Ritz Hotel. No, Henri Paul goes past the Champs-Élysées on Place de la Concorde and turns right onto a fast motorway, which, um, if you look at the map, here's the Ritz Hotel. There's... Um, his flat there. This is the route you take that Henri Paul took to go through the Pont d'Arma tunnel. He's going away from the flat and he's going away apparently at high speed um, and he hits the 13th pillar. Um, there's 17 traffic cameras on the road between the Ritz Hotel and the Pont d'Arma tunnel, including one right on the top looking down over the entrance. Saw it myself, took a picture of it. Um, everyone wasn't working in the period that that car made that journey. Then there was a guy sitting on a bench uh, near the Arc de Triomphe, which is just across the river from the place, from the uh, Pont d'Arma tunnel where she died, or where the crash happened. And he's uh, one of these guys that loves to listen into um, police frequencies, police transmissions. He didn't know until he got home, but in that same period, the traffic cameras weren't working. All police frequencies went down in the central Paris. Silence. And he said when they came back, there were so many people trying to talk at the same time. He's never heard any chaos like it. Um, and so the car crashes. And another thing, uh, a guy called Reese Jones, who's uh, the security guard in the front seat. When you're a security guard in those situations, you don't put a seatbelt on because you want to be able to act, re react very quickly. This is, this is what security people say is the normal procedure. So he starts off in the car from the Ritz. He hasn't got a seatbelt on. And neither have Dodie Fayed and, um, and Diana. Um, and then there was a, a photographer called Romond Rat um, who caught up with the car at the Place de la Concorde, at the lights, um, and managed to get a picture. Reese Jones's seatbelt still not on. Neither is Diana's and neither is Dodi Fayette's. Literally, at the speed they was going, a minute, 90 seconds down the road when they crashed, Reese Jones had his seatbelt on. But they didn't. Now, if you're a security guard, A, why are you putting the seatbelt on? Something must be going wrong. And secondly, why have you turned around and said, put your seatbelt on? Um, and um, so the car hits the, night, the 13th pillar. And just... Just by coincidence, it's an amazing thing, synchronicity. Coming the other way, exactly at this, that time, was a, um, a medical guy who um, has, has been working in, um, in, in Paris in emergency uh, kind of um, response. And his friend, though the relationship was never really fully understood, an American was, was, was with him. So he stops the car, he goes across, and um, he says Diana's um, 
witnesses said Diana was still alive. And um, and then then she's not. Um, and she got when the, by the time she got to the hospital, she's dead. And 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 it took ages to get to the hospital. So I delayed intentionally. Yeah, it took ages to get to the hospital. And um, when when they were questioned about why it took so long, they said, well, you know, basically we had to um, free her from the car. Well, witnesses said actually she was free. She was lying on the back seat with, and, and part of her was uh, outside the door. So she wasn't trapped at all. Um, and she had a, an injury, if, if, it, if the official story of the injury is true, which needed urgent um, surgery to, to stem the blood flow. But it took ages to get, it was about an hour and 25 minutes to get them to the hospital where they, they said they tried to save her but the, the, according to the post-mortem she was dead before that and so um, everything um, happened to put her in that position with no security um, and to make sure she didn't survive uh, and the Pont d'Alma tunnel go into it now but the Pont d'Alma tunnel means uh, basically bridge or passage of the moon goddess and of course the ancient goddess diana was an ancient moon goddess going back to places like babylon and again in the biggest secret i've i've looked at Di diana's assassination i mean it was um from a ritualistic point of view and it's incredible the detail of the ritual around her her death why did she have to go well, I, I, I think, uh, A, you know, you, you've always got this in the background, if you go deep enough in the rabbit hole, that they do ritualistically kill people for ritualistic reasons. But if you look at it on a five cents uh, here and now level, um, she uh, knew um, literally and symbolically where the bodies were buried of the British royal family. And she showed in a panorama interview that she was prepared to talk about it. She was, she was, she was, um, she was angry. She had... Um, uh, she had a great public support. Uh, she couldn't do anything without the media were, were there. And so she had tremendous potential power to destroy the royal family. She really did at that time because the royal family were incredibly um, unpopular then. And especially in, in the aftermath of, the, of, of her death, they were very unpopular. But, but, but that was okay. They knew that was going to happen. But the source of uh, their potential destruction was no longer alive and of course has now been basically forgotten and disappeared from not disappeared from history but no one really talks about her anymore and the royal family is still with us um uh, but at that time the, the the very monarchy itself was on was starting to, starting to rock it was starting to be a journalist's spine vibrating and <laughs> mr jelly turning to jelly yeah so um it, it, you know, she she was someone who um, who knew a hell of a lot. And see, when um, when I spoke to her friend, and uh, I I, I got, I've still got the interview on tape, one of those old um, you know um, cassette tapes. Um, it was very clear that the panorama interview was like. The tip of 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 the iceberg of what she could destroy them with. And I had another story relating to this. I went to see, uh, I, I spent uh, many visits 
with this um, Zulu shaman, Credo Mutwa. And when I first met him, he said to me um, that he didn't tell me who it was to start with. And then later, when we got more friendly he and, and very close, he, he told me. He said that Princess Diana called him, because Diana was very much into the esoteric. That's why she was, you know, friend of this alternative healer. He said, um, she called me. She said, uh, and she said to me, I'm calling you from a store. And so Credo said, well, Princess Diana of England is calling me from a store. This has got to be a joke, basically. And he didn't believe her. Uh, but what this lady, her friend, told me is whenever Diana wanted, because she knew everything she did was bugged and everywhere was bugged, whenever she wanted to talk absolutely privately, she would go into a Marks, I think it was a Marks and Spencer store, and she'd use the phone incognito as acknowledged as she could, because then she would um, tr be trying to avoid the bugs and everything, because she wanted privacy. So I said to Crow, what'd she say? He said, um, she said to me, basically, I've got something to reveal that is absolutely fantastic. It was about the royal family. Um, and she wanted to meet him, but they never met because, you know, she died. But um, she knew a hell of a lot. And, um, I, you know, we could talk forever about this, but, you know, I have gone into it in the books and... Um, you know, a lot of people still laugh at me because I say that actually the royal family is not human, not totally human. I say they are hybrids. They have a human energy field, which is the one that we see, and they have a non-human energy field, which is the one that we don't see. And during the rituals, they they, they shift. I spoke to so many people around, um, that, that have seen this and have taken part in rituals where, where they've seen it. It's all in my books. And this friend of Diana told me the same. And she didn't know at the time that I'd got lots of other sources who'd said the, the, the royal family are not human. They're hybrids, part human, part not human. And that's, that's where the bloodlines come from. That's where the royal bloodlines come from. What, why are royal bloodlines considered so special? You know, the divine right to rule. Where does that come from? It's because they're hybrids. They're not like the rest of us, Right. <laughs> And and so um, I uh, I didn't tell Christian Fitzgerald any uh, the, this lady the, um, the the friend of Diana Christian Fitzgerald her name was um, any of this, and yet she told me that the royal family are not human, and Diana knew that. That to me, because Credo Mutwa talks about the fact that there are people running the world that he calls the Chittahuri who are not human but seem to be, right? So you, you can see why very strongly in theory Diana, who knew this, would contact him saying, I've got something basically massive to reveal. I won't talk to you about it. Well, well otherwise, would you want to talk to him about it? But he he was someone who talked about that. It's all it's all in my books. I I did a, 
uh, 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 you can get it on, uh, on the internet, I think, um, a um, six-hour interview with Kratom, which were about about um, about this non-human element from from this his um, Zulu um, shamanistic point of view. To orchestrate that much death and destruction, definitely some reptilian psychopathy going on in there. But let's get on to the next question. Some people have referred to you and Alex Jones as the biggest, most famous conspiracy theorist in the world. I've watched your career rise. I've watched Alex's career rise. Love the stuff he did early on with John Ronson going into Bohemian Grove. He's interviewed some fascinating characters like Freeway Ricky Ross, who I've spoke to, interviewed for, for one of my books. What do you think about Alex getting deplatformed and, and what's, what's all that about? Well, uh, first of all, um, I, I, I don't, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a conspiracy researcher, which is a different thing. And it's it's interesting, uh, Sean, that the term conspiracy theory and conspiracy theorist came into widespread use because of the CIA. In the 1960s, when they were trying to discredit people that didn't believe that um, uh, a single bullet went through several people and that killed President Kennedy, um, the single bullet theory... Um, that they were trying to discredit them. They wrote to major media organizations or contacted them. You can see the, the document on the internet uh, in the 1960s, urging them to use the terms conspiracy theorists and conspiracy theorists to discredit people who were questioning the Kennedy assassination. Um, and all these years later, these journalists, you know, the ones with the, back, with the backbones vibrating, um, they're still uh, trying to discredit people by calling them conspiracy theories and what they say conspiracy theories um, and 99% of them will not know that that originated with the CIA. You know, too busy um, watching the newsroom telly. Um, so um, if you look at um, Alex, um, I mean, there's there's many things that I agree with Alex about. There's many things I don't agree with him about. I didn't agree with his support for Trump, for instance. But anyway, my point of view and, and it is, first of all, that whatever people may say about Alex Jones... He has um, communicated an enormous amount of information that people needed to hear. I might, you know, not completely agree on his, his, the, the way that he's, he, he, the angle he comes from and, and how he interprets it. That's the word I'm looking for, interprets it. But who cares the, the basic uh, 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 basics of what he's been saying all these years, uh, 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 as he's communicated it, people needed to hear. And I have a simple philosophy. You let people hear all opinion and all possibility, and then you have the basic human decency and the the absence of arrogance to say... There's all the information. Make of it what you will. And you have every right to decide what to make of it. That's, that's, that's an open, human, free society where all information is available and then people are respected in their right to interpret that information as they see fit. That is not the goal, which is ensuring that only what the authorities want people to see and hear do they see and hear. So Alex Jones um, and his deplatforming, and I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I think, you know, 
Alex could have been a bit more streetwise here and there and not walked into their traps. But um, never mind. He has an absolute right to his freedom of speech. And this is a big point, Sean, here. There's a key line. And that line decides whether we live in a tyranny or whether we live in a free society. And that line is the point of delivery of information. If you censor before, um, um, after the point of delivery, in other words, you know, if you're calling for terrorism or you're calling for violence or burning a house down, there are laws to deal with that. But those laws kick in after the point of delivery. You have to say it and then we'll, um, we'll deal with it. What that means is, this is why this line is so crucial. It means that under those circumstances, no authority is given the right to decide what people see and hear. Because people see and hear everything and then it's dealt with if it needs dealing with. Once you come to where we are now, and this is where Alex Jones is part of, part of this, what's happened to him, is you come before the point of delivery. Now, once you are censoring information before the point of delivery, you have now given authority the, the, the power to decide what the public see and hear. And of course, what happens, what has happened is you start out by saying, oh, we must uh, ban uh, people calling for uh, terrorism. Well, first of all, do you want to know who's calling for terrorism or not? So you want them to say it in public and then, then you deal with it. If you force them underground, they're still saying it. It's just you're not seeing it anymore. It's ridiculous, right? So once you, um, you, you start, we must stop, you know, incitement to terrorism. And most people who don't, are not streetwise enough to see where it's leading say, oh, yeah, 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 I can understand that. But then it starts and then it goes beyond that. Now it's fake news. Well, who decides what's fake news? Well, we do. On what basis? Well, whether we want you to see it or not. Yeah, OK. And um, so if, if, it, if it were genuinely um, wanting to ban fake news, then there would be no BBC News be no CNN, there'd be no MSNBC, there'd be no Fox News, none of it. Uh, but it's not about banning um, fake news. It's about using that as an excuse to ban what you don't want people to see. Then you have hate speech. That's the next, that was the next in line, hate speech. We must ban hate speech. Who decides what hate speech is? Well, we do. On the basis of what? Well, what we want people to see and hear. Right, okay, gotcha. Um, and, and so it goes on. And, and now we're having this criteria for banning of whether it new 900 megabits per second future fiber is here and with total home wi-fi included you can connect all around your home get our ultimate speed reliability and coverage for just 49 pounds a month new future fiber same great value sign up now and get a 100 pound reward card search talk talk future fiber talk talk for everyone, CPI plus 3.7% annual increase from April 2023. Subject to local availability. Average speeds up to 900 megabits per second. 24-month contract. Reward card issued by GiftCloud. T's and C's apply. It's harmful. Not, not if it's illegal. No. Is it harmful? So what do you call harmful? Well, 
saying anything that we don't want people to hear. So it goes on. So what has happened with Alex Jones and many others now is gathering and gathering um, all the time. They are censoring him before the point of delivery. And that's what they want to do to bring about this, this situation where they, um, they, um, they only have people seeing and hearing what they want them to see and hear. Now, I had a strange... Um, I, I've been, I've been, I was demonetized, as they say, from uh, YouTube a long time ago. Um, and, um, and uh, you know, I, I'm subject to what they call shadow banning, where you can actually post it but then they make sure it doesn't, it's not seen by anything like the number of people it would normally be seen by. Um, and, and then I was banned by Facebook, just banned by Facebook, out of nowhere. No, no reason, nothing. And, and quite a lot of people kicked off on Facebook about what are you bloody doing. And out of nowhere, seven days later, they just put me back up and said, oh, it was a mistake. Well, it wasn't a mistake because if people hadn't have kicked <laughs> off, I'd still be banned. Um, so what's going to happen when the trigger comes out? I don't know. <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to be fun. But you see, we've got a choice. We can speak our truth and let the world be what it is, or we can keep censoring ourselves and censoring ourselves and then drip, 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 drip. More and more is censored. The criteria for censorship gets wider and wider and eventually you you uh, you're banned anyway so we might as well tell the truth um straight up off the bat and then um what happens happens so you know that's what that's what i i do um, and how they'll react i don't know and frankly i don't particularly care because if i did i'm giving them power if david does get the completely deplatformed after the release of the trigger in september this year september 11 his website, davidike.com, link is in the description box below this video. Whatever's happening in the news, he puts regular videos up, links to stories from alternative media. Highly recommend you keep track of what he's doing on his website. Oh, is it, there's also the, the Renegade, a movie. Movie's come out, Renegade, um, which was, uh, is a, a, a feature-length movie about my life and work. Um, it's not long come out, uh, available through davidite.com on a number of different platforms. Um, people have tried to get it banned, um, but when the uh, platforms have watched it, they can't find a reason to ban it. Um, um, but um, it had some of the premiers have been banned. But uh, the, um, it's a film that um, shows me as I am and not as I'm painted. And also there's an enormous amount of information in there which is, is accessible to people who know nothing about this information. It's really accessible. It's not all that, you know, deep on all, the, all of it. It's very accessible. So um, that's available as well. What was the reason they cited for banning you from Australia, David? Um, because, well, this, this tells you something, Sean, you know. It not just, it, it shows you, you know, this force... Uh, is extremely arrogant. But a lot of its arrogance is trying to convince itself 
of its omnipotence as well as trying to convince everyone else. And that ban from Australia, four hours before my plane left, having given me a visa to speak um, in the September before, months and months before, really was an indication of how frightened this cabal is of information. Um, I was um, told by the immigration minister, David Coleman, he must have been a journalist once because his backbone was vibrating like crazy when the Israel far-right front in Australia um, told him to ban me. One bloke, basically, telling 25 million Australians what they can and cannot hear. Disgusting arrogance. But anyway, it's, it's more than arrogance, like I say. And another reason, uh, two reasons they gave, uh, or he gave, because the ministry gave me the visa, because they couldn't find a reason not to. I've been there 10 times, not a problem. But now suddenly, four hours before my plane left, it's a problem. It cost us £30,000 in, um, in um, all the cost of putting the tour on, which, which then suddenly, four hours notice, gone. Um, and um, they have no comeback for that. They, they don't have to reimburse us or anything. Uh, and two of the other reasons were uh, my views on vaccines and my view that the um, human-caused global warming is a, a hoax, uh, something I've been saying for a very long time and um, pointing out there was a reason why they were doing it, and that reason is now becoming clear, uh, becoming public anyway. Um, but... So here you have, um, just take the vaccines and human-caused global warming. You have the big pharma cartel globally that basically can say what it likes. It can claim what it likes. It controls the medical professions via the uh, medical associations. It controls government health policy. Whatever you have, um, it's a scalpel or a drug. You know, if every, you know, problem looks like a nail, every answer looks like a, a hammer. So, so there you go with that. They can say what they like. They can advertise on television. All the medical correspondents come on repeating big pharma propaganda. Um, and yet one man going into Australia, talking for four hours each time in six in, uh, Australian cities about many connected subjects, but say vaccines, he's a problem. I'm a problem. That's the scale of fear they have for information because when the vaccine information is put for public attention, the big pharma cartel cannot answer it. Therefore, it wants to shut it up. It's a very simple thing. If you can't win, this is how they work. If you can't win the debate, don't have it. So if you want to know what's the agenda, what are big parts of the agenda, simply look at what you can't have an alternative opinion about. You get, you get censored and banned for saying or uh, abuse for saying, calculated abuse. And then you've got human-caused global warming. Every news bulletin in the freaking world, year after year after year, we're all going to die. Okay. One man coming into Australia and saying, we ain't. <laughs> That's a problem. So we're going to ban him. Oh, don't let him say that. It's, I mean, just, just, just take a breath and look at that. 
the totality of their control of information, and they're terrified of one guy speaking at six meetings. That's the scale of, uh, of fear they have of information to challenge the official narrative, and that's why they're, they're, this hysteria of censorship is happening ever faster. I know a lot of good people who campaign for causes, and it seems when a cause reaches a certain level, it gets co-opted, yeah. and the people manipulating the public channel that energy into something then that they can profit from. So with the global warming hoax, how is that scam run? Runs like this. Um, you, you, uh, you use the Nazi technique. You keep repeating the lie and eventually people will believe it. Well, everyone knows that, mate. Why? Because that's all everyone's heard. And uh, you, you find among the general population, despite the constant propaganda, how many people don't, don't buy it? Because they've got a brain they use, for, they, use they, they put on active duty and they, they, can, they can see through it. Um, anyway, th- th- this is what happened, is that um, I said years, long, long time ago, that human-caused global warming is a hoax uh, for a reason. Because you just say it's a hoax. People are obviously going to ask, well, why is it a hoax? And you have to be able to answer that. Otherwise, you've got no credibility. And there has to be a reason. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a hoax. And the reason is to justify the centralization of power to save the planet. And we already have the uh, blueprints for that well um, in, uh, in the process called Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030 out of the UN, which uh, seek to centralize power and control over the fine detail of people's lives, control of water, control of energy, control of everything to save the planet. Right. This is this is why the hoax is being played. Then you have this lady, um, Ocasio-Cortez, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a politician has not long been elected out of New York, um, who's come out with something called the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal um, is, is uh, based on the fact that, according to her, we're going to pass the point um, where the earth can be saved uh, 12 years from now. Well, sorry. What about the points we passed before where it, we might be able to do anything after this point? But actually, now it's 12 years hence. Well, that's a good thing, isn't it? Because we all should be dead now or going on there. I mean, you know, Al Gore, the only thing you know about Al Gore is if his lips are moving, he's bloody lying. And he's, he's been the front man for this thing. I mean, hello. Look at the history of Al Gore. If he ever told the truth, he's, he would genetically implode. Right? And you believe in him. Anyway, anyway, what happened um, was, well, what happens is her Green Deal demands centralization of power and control over people's lives. Then you've got this, 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 these people in, um, in London, this Extinction Rebellion that's recently shut some streets in London to demand action over human-caused global warming. Um, and they're demanding the same centralization of power. And, and basically, it's, uh, it's, it's a form of Marxism, communism, you call it fascism, you know, just names, same thing, tyranny, um, that is um, being um, uh, imposed or sought to be imposed through the excuse that we've got to save the world. And what they have done to young children through the propaganda in the schools to frighten little kids that the world's going to end in their lifetimes, 
is absolutely disgusting and it's child abuse. And, you know, I have been a few phrases I've used over the years, like what you hate you become and what you fight you become. And I, I see these anti-haters full of hate. I see the anti-fascists full of fascism. And you see these um, free society people imposing a tyranny. Because it's based on this. I am right. End of story. That's, that's where their mentality goes. I am right. Now, everything comes from this. Because I am right, what I say should be imposed on everyone else. Because if they don't agree with me, then they are wrong by definition because they say something different to me. And I am right. Goes like this too. I am right. Therefore, why should people that say something different to me have freedom of speech? It's like one person said about me once, what is the benefit in allowing him to speak? He actually said that. It was printed in the independent newspaper magazine. Um, and, um, and that person will think he's a you know, paragon of freedom. And so you've got these, what's happened is the left in politics has been hijacked. It's not the liberal left that I grew up in. It's not the liberal left that I supported. The liberal left that in the 60s when I was a kid was going on marches demanding freedom of speech. It's now the progressive fake left that goes on marches and protests demanding that freedom of speech is taken away. And so they've got this in their head, not least because that's all they've heard through the school system. We're all going to die. And I'm sure great numbers of people who were shutting the streets of London and are, you know, supporting Ocasio-Cortez and all this stuff, they genuinely believe what they're saying. But they haven't understood it's a hoax and why it's a hoax and the fact that they are demanding exactly the changes in society that the hoax was played to impose and justify. And if they did, um, they would realize that they are being played like a stringed instrument. Because the knee-jerk reaction from some people when they hear the title um, Global Warming Hoax is that you think that we're not harming Mother Earth, but that's not the case, is it? I was a national spokesman for the British Green Party. I care deeply about the environment. And you know what, what's happening, Sean? is that because of this obsession and focus on the hoax of human-caused global warming uh, to justify the centralization of global and national power, um, other real environmental issues are being marginalized. We're not talking about them. What we're seeing is beautiful landscapes being destroyed by massive wind farms to fight a problem that isn't real. How come temperatures were much higher in the medieval warm period, 800, 1,000 years ago? What caused them? Turbocharged handcarts? <laughs> hey? Flatulent cattle? I mean, what caused it? Because it, it weren't souped up four by fours, was it? <laughs> And you notice something else, something else. They keep going on about CO2. 
There's a CO2. Ah! Without CO2, we'd all be dead. Why do you think the plants grow? I mean, and uh, we're breathing it out. Ban breathing. CO2. Right? And then you look at the greenhouse gas graph. 98% or there or thereabouts of greenhouse gases holding the heat in water vapor and clouds. Ban them, I say. Ban them. CO2, tiny, tiny smear. And most of that is uh, naturally caused. Um, so let's demonize the gas of life, shall we? Yeah, that's a good one. Keep saying it enough times and they'll believe that it's real, because everyone knows that, because it's all you've ever heard. Um, and um, so um, the reason, again, they are banning, and I was banned from Australia in part for my views on this, um, the reason they're banning alternative views on these things is because they can't win the debate. And because they can't win the debate, they shut it down. And uh, you see this all, all over the place. Um, and um, I was going to say, the one thing you never hear them talk about when they talk about global warming. It's out today. The sun. It's a clear blue sky and it's the sun. Have you noticed that when the sun comes out, it gets warmer? I have noticed that in my life. So actually, the sun is a source of heat on Earth and heat warms, which leads us to global warming. Why is the sun left out of it? See, during, uh, what happened is you had the medieval warm period when temperatures were much higher than they are now. That's when they, they were, and, and, and warm periods have been times of abundance. Times of high carbon um, dioxide are, are abundance because the more you have it, the more the plants grow and the trees grow, the vegetation grows. It's when it's the cold periods that are the danger, that's when things die. So you had um, the um, medieval warm period. And then we came down into what they called the Little Ice Age. And that was when it's still portrayed to this day on some Christmas cards with people skating on the Thames in London. Because every year the Thames froze over. They used to have ice fairs on the Thames. It was so cold. This was the medieval, this was the uh, Little Ice Age after the medieval warm period. And then it hit the, the bottom and it starts to rise up to present day. Now, there was a guy, actually his wife too, often gets forgotten, called Maunda. And they were charting sunspots. This is real. This is the activity of the sun, the, the, the energetic activity of the sun expresses itself as sunspots, some of which are you know, bigger than three or four Earths, some of them. And the more sunspots, the more active the sun is, the more energy it's projecting, the more heat potentially we get. The fewer the sunspots, the less it's projecting. At the very bottom point of the Little Ice Age, when it's at its coldest, is now is known to this day in climate science as the Maunda Minimum. That's when there was virtually no sunspot activity at all. In other words, the heat coming from the sun was much less. Then it starts to rise. And you know that people keep saying, this is the hottest day since records began. Yeah, okay, so when did records begin? That's, let's, let's, let's do that. Did they begin in the medieval warm period? Oh, no. So when did they begin? And you chart it back, and it was when we were coming out of the Little Ice Age. So many of the comparisons with the highest, you know, all this stuff, highest temperature since records began, you've got, to, you've got to look what the temperatures were when records began. 
and, 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 the, and the climate situation. And I, I've just read a book recently by a guy called Joe Bastardi. He's a, a meteorologist in America. Wrote a book called The Climate Chronicles. And, and he says it's global warming is complete tosh. And he's, he's one of these nerdy kind of uh, weather, weather obsessives. Ever since he's been a kid, he's obsessed with weather. So when they were coming out with this, always, oh, this is global warming, because this is how they do it. Um, anything, oh, it's hot, isn't it? Oh, it's global warming. <laughs> oh, it's bloody cold, isn't it? It's global warming. And so it goes on, you know. Um, anyway, he goes back and he's looking at these sequences, which they're now saying is global warming. And he's finding the same sequences in the 1950s, the 1940s, the 1930s, and the 20s. And he, he points one sequence out. He says, when, when the, when the um, Atlantic calls or the Pacific calls, a sequence of weather consequences, knock-on, start. When they happened in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, oh, okay, bit, bit extreme weather, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Now it's global warming. We're all going to die. Now, this is the psychological game. And people have got caught up in it. And the Extinction Rebellion have got caught up in it. Do you think, uh, do you think they get caught up in it because crowd psychology comes into effect and every generation has its own end-of-the-world theory? Go, going back to the Bible, end of days, yeah. bubonic plague, middle ages, millennium bug. It, it just reoccurs throughout history. Yeah, but you, yeah, you, if you think about this, if you want to focus the attention of the population behind what you want to happen, what more powerful focus of, uh, uh, can you have than we're all going to die unless we do this, right? That's what global warming is. We're all going to die unless you do this. Unless you um, support the centralization of global power to save the world, we're all going to die. Um, and you tell the children who are going to be the adults not very long from now, that you're going to die unless this happens. What are the kids going to do? They're going to they're going to call for it, aren't they? They're going to uh, uh, berate their parents for leaving them a dying world. We haven't. We haven't. It's a hoax, and um, it's a hoax uh, of of the the classic technique that I term I came up with in the 1990s: problem, reaction, solution. This is when you create a problem. You, you tell the public the version of the problem you want them to believe, so they say something must be done, and then you offer the problem, the solutions to the problems you have created. And, and, and there's another version, which I call no problem, reaction, solution. That's when you completely invent the problem, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and then do something, and, um, and, and you then do uh, what you want it to do, justified by the no problem. And global warming caused by human activity is a no problem problem reaction solution and you can ban me from anywhere i don't give a shit i'm going to go on speaking my truth and if people don't like it well they could do the other thing that's all all the same to me so on the subject of vaccines as a lad i had the six pricks i've gone on to live a normal healthy life i think now i've researched the war on drugs extensively and i've researched big pharma as a consequence of that and how, how things are manipulated so now in America, you've got kids having up to, I don't know what it is, 80, 90 vaccines. You've got mothers being told in some countries that if they don't get the kids vaccinated, they're not going to get benefits. Yeah, Australia. Yeah, in Australia. No, what are they? What, didn't want to be talking about vaccines. Your favorite? 
So I understand vaccine science, and I do believe that vaccine science and vaccines have created benefits for society. But now you've got this over-vaccination problem, and it's all about money at the end of the day, and they can't get sued because if it's a vaccine, they have legal liability because it's sold through the government. It's just a big shakedown on the taxpayers' money. From the moment that Big Pharma got immunity from prosecution in America for the effects on vaccines, the number of vaccines exploded because they have nothing to lose. The only safety that the kids have from this vaccine onslaught is that the big pharma industry would have some level of empathy and not do what they're doing. But of course, big pharma is an an empathy no-go zone. Therefore, um, they are just coming up with more and more vaccines is over a hundred in the pipeline now for everything uh, they came up with a vaccine uh, to uh, they say protect young girls from um, vaginal cancer and um, what um, uh, has happened is a lot of young girls have had their lives destroyed even ended by it and then they came up with this idea that they'd give it to boys as well um, now you know I know some of the extremes of transgender might um, might um, call me out on this, but the last time I saw a, a male body, including mine in the mirror, it didn't have a vagina. So what are they giving boys this bloody drug for? That's why they're giving it, among other reasons. And so um, I've looked at this uh, vaccination stuff. My my two boys haven't been vaccinated. They're strapping, you know, adults and uh, they're absolutely fine because their immune system has been allowed to develop to its um, potential and not been faced with a tidal wave of toxic shite before it's even formed thus it will never be what it could have been otherwise i had the vaccines when i was a kid in the 50s but they were very few And, and and you know one of the good things about you know living living quite a long life is that you've seen what life was like before this stuff people being born today this is all they know um, and therefore it's very much easier to scam those people because uh, they don't have a radar they don't have another point of observation well, well I do because I've lived a long time so I was born in 1952 and um, things like childhood diseases like measles they were seen as they should be seen still as kicking in the immune system and, 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 and kicking it into its full power. And measles, it was like, you know, some of it wasn't, you know, very pleasant here and there, but, but, but measles largely was seen as a, as, a, as a week or two off school. It was a bloody, all right, you know, I'm going to be able to, going to, going to, be able to watch the cricket in the summer on the telly, Brian Johnson and stuff, Treddy Truman, um, instead of being at school. And, and, and you recovered and you got on with your life. And, and, and it gave you lifelong immunity because you have um, your immune system has got the code of the disease itself in its natural form. So when it comes again, gotcha, no you, no problem. You know, the shingles, a lot of people get shingles. Shingles are absolutely horrible. But a lot of that comes from the fact that they've not been uh, given immunity through things like measles. 
And so um, then you have things like chicken pox. I mean, chicken pox. I got chicken pox. You have a, you have a few bloody things on your body and then you, you, you go back to school, you know. Oh, no, we're all going to die. Measles is a deadly disease. And, and well, how come we never thought about that in the 50s, you know? And we all kind of survived. Um, because if you can frighten people about a disease, then you're going to get their support for what you say will protect them from it, which is vaccinations, which brings me to this. What we've had, what we've got now, and again, it's the same principle as if you can't win the debate, shut it down. This is what they're doing with vaccines, but it's it's something else. But the same theme, if you can't persuade enough people to have the vaccines, you make it compulsory. In Australia, if you you indicated, um, if you're on state benefits and you don't have your child vaccinated according to the the government's schedule, you, you have your benefits cut, which is, again, disgusting tyranny. But then the government of Australia is a disgusting tyranny, and so is the opposition party, the Labour Party, because they're just masks on the same face. They were all united in their support for my ban. And um, so... Um, New 900 megabits per second future fibre is here. And with Total Home Wi-Fi included... You can connect all around your home. Get our ultimate speed, reliability, and coverage for just £49 a month. New Future Fiber, same great value. Sign up now and get a £100 reward card. Search Talk Talk Future Fiber. Talk Talk for everyone. CPI plus 3.7% annual increase from April 2023. Subject to local availability. Average speeds up to 900 megabits per second. 24 month contract. Reward card issued by GiftCloud. T's and C's apply. They're, they're pushing mandatory vaccinations. A guy called Richard Pan, Dr. Richard Pan. I, 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 I wouldn't let him, you know, deal with my toenail, Dr. Richard Pan. He's, um, he's, in, he's, he's a state senator in uh, California. He's been funded by Big Pharma. He has led the campaign for compulsory vaccinations in, uh, in California. Nice man. Very good to his mother. Never goes home. And um, so... This is happening in many, many states, more and more states now. I, I, saw, I saw, you know, even the, the government minister here was talking about, well, maybe, we're, you know, we'd have to look at mandatory vaccinations as an option. And because measles, right? Measles outbreak in New York. Oh, my God, we're all going to die. You see the recurring theme here. So, okay. Um, so all the people that got measles weren't vaccinated, right? Well, well no. Um some of them were, yeah, well, most of them were, right? Okay, so how many weren't vaccinated? Why don't you tell us that? How many got the measles in this outbreak that were vaccinated? How many were not vaccinated? No, no, they won't do that. Um, they won't do that because there'll be a question. Well, how come these kids who aren't vaccinated <laughs> didn't get the disease, but these who are vaccinated did? See, you've got a problem here. It's like my, 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 my sons, they didn't get these diseases, but they weren't vaccinated. Because their immune system sorted it, right? So, um, and then you say, um, they say, this is why they invented this. Well, it's because of herd immunity. What do you mean? Well, they weren't vaccinated. You know them that didn't get the disease, yeah? It's because they weren't vaccinated that these that were vaccinated did get the disease. That, that's what it was about. Yeah, okay, right. 
So, um, so let's um, let's look at herd immunity. You give someone a vaccine, yeah, to stimulate the immune system to become aware of this disease so it protects them from it, yeah. So it's a deal between the person vaccinated immune system and the disease, right? Well, yeah. So where's herd immunity coming to it? Why do these kids who are not vaccinated have any effect on that dynamic between that vaccinated kid's immune system and the disease? Herd immunity is a hoax simply to explain, one, to explain why unvaccinated kids don't get the diseases and vaccinated kids do, and two, to justify the imposition of vaccination on the unvaccinated to ensure that everyone is vaccinated and there is no basic human right to say no. And I I ask people this. If you want a definition of fascism, what better than you do not have a say about what goes into your body or in your children's body? That's a fair definition of fascism. And that's what these people are seeking to impose. And it's global. Why is it global? Why is it happening everywhere? The web I talked about earlier. It's coming from a central point and it's coming out through the web. So it's happening in Australia. It's happening in America. It's been talked about in so many other things. And another question If you want to manipulate the body, you want to manipulate the DNA, you want to mutate the DNA into something uh, uh, different for for very significant reasons that I talk about in the books, what what comes from that. Um, uh, Or you want to inoculate diseases, as some of their documents have um, talked about. Um, Then what more do you want than to get government, legal, official, mandatory access to the whole population through an hypodermic needle. It, it, it's your wet dream if you want to get access to the body systems. And of course, because of the compartmentalization, the person putting, uh, putting the stuff in through, through the, the needle, clueless about what the agenda is, the person prescribing it or insisting on it, overwhelmingly clueless about the real reason it's being done. The people in the factories putting the stuff into the vaccines, clueless about why it's really being done. And then you get deep enough in the rabbit hole and you get to that point where they know exactly why they're doing it. And it's from here that human-caused global warming has been hoaxed, that vaccines are hoaxed, that uh, all these other things uh, 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 are, um, are imposed upon society, while the rest of the population impose it upon themselves, impose it upon each other while being clueless about even the existence of this, never mind why they're insisting that the world is as it is. Do you think then there is a link between over-vaccination and autism? 100%. Another thing, autoimmune disease. You know, people say, um, well, you're not a doctor. And you know why? You know what? That's a good thing. Because doctors are programmed. They're programmed and they are herded in two ways. 
They go through the education system, what passes for it. They call it that. It's not really. It's a programming operation, programming of perception operations, what school and university and education is. Then they go to medical school. The medical school, overwhelmingly funded and backed and controlled by the big pharma, uh, uh, pharmaceutical cartel, um, then tells them what they not only should believe about the body and treatment and vaccines, etc., but what they must believe if they're going to be a doctor and um, what they must do when they become a doctor, otherwise they're struck off. So that a doctor is not a free, independent mind. It's a controlled mind, A, through programming of perception and B, through if you don't accept the programming, you can find another profession. It's independent people who um, have a few brain cells working in unison, who simply look at it. And, and let's look at bombarding a still-developing immune system with this tidal wave of toxic shite. It's insane. It's insane. And a, 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 some, something like a free independent mind that's looking at facts rather than preconceived ideas can see that but the preconceived idea can't see it and what is a doctor it's a preconceived idea but some of them are breaking away i've just i've just read a brilliant book by an american family doctor called um, richard moscovitz called vaccines a reappraisal any parent that read that book about vaccines what's in them uh, their effect all their hidden figures of damage to kids that ne people never see. They'd never have the children vaccinated. Um, but they don't read them. They watch CNN. And um, they're told they can't have their kid at school if they don't get them vaccinated and so what. Well, don't, don't let them go to school then. That'd be a good thing. They've got free mind then. But um, it's, um, you look, uh, like I say, with, a, with, a, with a, 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 an independent something like free mind, you look I'm always looking for patterns. That's where the truth lies. It doesn't lie in the dots. It lies in the patterns. Um, and it lies in the cause and effects. What we've had, particularly in the explosive vaccine era, since the, since the immunity from prosecution, is an explosion of autism and autoimmune disease, where the immune system attacks its own body. What happens is these needles go in, and because they're going into the muscle, they're bypassing very important parts of the immune system, which would react differently if it was on the skin or coming in through the, the digestive tract. And um, so these toxins attach to um, elements of the body. And because they're toxins, the immune system sees them as the threat. And in attacking them, it attacks the body. And so you get autoimmune disease. This is why autoimmune disease has gone through the roof in the, the vaccine era, and particularly the, the insane levels of vaccinations that we have today. One other thing, um, where these, uh, some of these vaccines have live viruses. And this leads to something which has, has a name. It's called shedding. Um, um, and what happens is, the live virus is shedded by the vaccinated child or whatever, and it's picked up by other kids who get the disease from the shedding of a live virus. This is well known now.
Um, so none of these things are talked about. I mean, the, 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 the moronic man, David Coleman, the immigration minister, I hear his backbone uh, uh, vibrating from here, um, has no clue what he's talking about. He's just a repeater, like most people. Just repeat, repeat, repeat. What, what are the people in the streets of London? Extinction Rebellion. They're repeating, 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 repeating the official version of everything. People pushing vaccines, repeating, repeating, repeating. And when you refuse to repeat and say, look, I'll repeat it when I've seen that it's justified to repeat it. Oh, it's not. Well, we'll censor you then. It's this repeating society, this repeater society. How do you know that? Well, everybody knows that. Well, I don't know that, so not everybody. So how do you know that? And it's, it's just because they've heard it over and over again. It must be true. Well, they do hear it over and over again. And this has really impacted my parents because years ago, they were getting sick every year or so. And I kept saying to them, are you getting any vaccines? Have you had the flu vaccine? Yeah, we, we, we've been getting the flu vaccine. Stop getting the flu vaccine. They stopped getting sick. Spoke to my dad a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I'm sick right now, blah, blah, blah. Did you get the flu vaccine? Oh, yeah. Gone yeah. back to getting the flu vaccine. Yeah. yeah. How did you get the flu vaccine? Um, <laughs> but this is the thing about flu. Flu, the flu virus is constantly mutating. So by the time they got a, they, they've got what they think is a vaccine for the previous thing, it's mutated and it's freaking useless. <laughs> So all you're getting is, is, is an armful of shite for no reason whatsoever, except that in Big Pharma coffers. Taxpayers' money handed over to Big Absolutely. Pharma. Um, America spends more than any country in the world on healthcare, and it's got the sickest people. I think that says what is motivating... If you, if you look at the, the infant mortality rate in the United States in the vaccine era, um, it's, it's, it's way down, even in the Western world. So it's not making, making kids healthier, it's making them sicker. And this is another scam, actually, which this Dr. Moskowitz very uh, um, eloquently exposes. Because Big Pharma is an empathy-deleted zone, it's only interested in money. It has no empathy or compassion. You know, I mean, I mean let, can we just deep breath? How does Big Pharma make its money? Billions. Well, from people being sick. So it's got no interest in people being healthy then. It's got an interest in people being sick. So what they're doing in these vaccine scams is you look at the list of side effects. And they're not side effects. They're effects of these vaccines on many, many people, including brain damage, including death and, and, and many other things. What the, what, what, the, um, what the big pharma cartel has done in the vaccine era it started producing drugs to treat the effects of the vaccines, right? So you get a vaccine, you get an effect from the vaccine, they'll, se they'll sell you a drug to, to, to treat the effect of the vaccine. And it's all this. You know, you've got, to, you've got to realize, ladies and gentlemen, that the big pharma cartel is a psychopath's playground thus psychopaths have no interest in your well-being so whatever they tell you will be good for your well-being 
should be uh, treated not with a pinch of salt, but with a mindful of it. And then we might um, start getting our minds back and questioning obvious nonsenses instead of uh, accepting them as un unchallengeable truth. You triggered another thought, though. You said the big pharma makes money from people being sick. But at any point in society, only a minority of people are sick. So let's target the majority of people, the healthy people, by telling they could potentially get sick. Statins. 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 I put, I put a meme on the internet and had a doctor talking to this couple. And he said, um, he said, um, I, 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 I want you to have, uh, I want you to take statins because I have to pay for my all expenses paid big pharma trip to the Caribbean. And, and it mean it, it, it saves the government having to buy you a pen, uh, having to pay you a pension. You know what I mean? Um, so just, t- just take these, these statins. What for? It will stop you having an heart attack. Stop you having heart problems. I haven't got heart problems. Yeah, well, we just take this, you know. But of course, it does give you problems, and it does give you uh, it, it it does give you consequences for a number of people in in the heart area. So, what are you taking a drug for? For something you haven't got? What are you doing? But statins are more and more people are on these statins, and they're bringing the age forward. We think you should take statins at forty-five now. Well, I've got a, I've got a six-month-old, um, I've got a six-month-old grandchild. Um, what do you think? Statins here? Yeah, what do you reckon? It's mad, and it's so blatant, Sean. That's the thing. It's so blatant. We make money from selling things. We've got to give you more and more excuses for you to buy them. It's simple as that. Uh, and a big farmer is uh, is it, it, it's satanic. It's satanic. It's literally satanic. I think some of the board that brought the statins to this country were tied into the companies manufacturing the statins. Other thing is, a lot of kids, uh, babies that have died, cot deaths, kids found dead, noses bleeding. In the past, parents would be arrested for baby shaking, but now the police are asking those parents if the kid had recently had a lot of vaccines. Yes. Now, now look, I mean, mate, okay, I don't even have to take a breath and, and, and go back here. I don't even have to get that far into this. Six in one vaccines at the same freaking time. They're taking the piss. Well, hey, we've got away with six now. What are you reckon? Ten? Yeah, let's bring the ten in one vaccine in. They'll have the six. And, and, and what's happening in all these areas is they're pushing a gate. And if they meet no resistance, they go through it, they go to the next gate. They get no resistance, they push that, they go to the next gate. So six in one vaccines. Resistance? Oh, not really. Okay. Oh, how about 10 in one? So it goes on. And so we've had this explosion of vaccines. Uh, And that gate metaphor uh, works right across society in so many uh, 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 subject areas. But in the end, we still have a mind. They want to take it away from us through AI, connection to the human brain. But we still at the moment have a mind, which funnily enough, we can use. A mind that, that... just takes that breath and looks at it and says, hold on a minute, does this make sense? I know I've heard it all my life and I know everyone around me is repeating it, but does it make sense? Does it make sense to put six vaccinations into a child at the same time? Huh? 
And um, this this book, um, this Richard Muscovitz uh, book, this doctor's book, um, tells some horrendous tales of the way what are clearly vaccine-caused medical problems, even death. Something else goes on the death certificate. Also, uh, breast milk versus formulas. Did you breastfeed your baby? Baby, save it. Did, did I? <laughs> no. Oh, well, I mean, do you know... The world has got so mad. If I claimed that I had, I'd probably given given a, a government grant or something. Um, yeah, I yeah. Have, I should have done that in my Hannibal Lecter voice. <laughs> Did you breastfeed your baby's mom? <laughs> it makes your nipples hard, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, it so, would. Um, I don't know how women do it. Actually, it looks. It looks. It, it looks horrible, but it looks bloody painful. Anyway. Um, I, I think so, yeah. And and um, as I remember, I did, yeah. It was, long, it was a long time ago, you know. But um, yeah, uh, what what they're, they're always trying to do is get through and over the the, the natural into the production, because there's no one sitting on a woman's breast with a cash machine, right? Right. But you stick it in a bottle, you got something to sell, mate. So it's it's all, and you know, in the end, this is the the strange thing. In the end, we're all one consciousness, different points of attention, of the same consciousness having different experiences, and in this bewildered, crazy world, people have got so obsessed and so self-identified with these transitory labels of race of religion of sexuality of of culture that um where everyone's competing with each other and st- trying you know big farmer trying to screw everybody and all that stuff for what for what and you know the thing what this whole conspiracy is about in its really prime state is sucking love out of human society that's what it's seeking to do Um, there is no love at work in big pharma that's why it does what it does if there was an input of love big pharma would transform there is no love in censoring a view that you don't like so you get your way there's no love in doing what we do what society does to children there's war on children and love is the point of balance you show me any imbalanced situation whether it's conflict war what's happening to kids whatever you show me any imbalanced situation that won't be improved by an infusion of love what is lack of empathy, lack of compassion? It's lack of love. And, and we have been so played off against each other and set at war with each other down these increasing minutiae of fault lines of division and self-identity that we have this complete absence of love to the point where we have to give it another name. Um, I, have, I do smile when I observe society you know you know what love is today to so many people 
it's anti-hate. That's their version of love. This organization Antifa, which is a fascistic anti-fascist organization um, in this inverted world that we live in, that seeks to beat up people that um, it doesn't agree with, it talks about being anti-hate. You look at the progressive left as opposed to the truly liberal left, and it talks about being anti-hate. When do they ever talk about love? Anti-hate is not love. It's just another version of hate. That's why the anti-haters have hate in their face when they're demanding we stop hating. Um, and if we started talking about love as opposed to anti-hate, we might get uh, a different society because society is imbalanced because love's been sucked out of it. Certainly been sucked out of the upper echelons of society that are making decisions based on an agenda and no matter what the consequences are for other people, love could never do that. Love would say, hold on a minute. What about the consequences for these people? There wouldn't be people who are multi, multi, multi billionaires or people sleep in the streets down the road. Love would say, this is an imbalance. I've got billions and this guy's in the street. It's an imbalance here. Love would balance that. Hey, how can I help you, mate? What's going on? But with the, with the absence of love, that's what evil is. That's what evil is. It's the absence of love. We need to infuse it back. And part of that love is to not think about consequences for expressing love and speaking your truth, but doing it because it's right. Love will always do what it knows to be right. And, and love does not consider consequences because to consider consequences is to consider the very possibility that you will not do what you know to be right because of consequences. Love will never do that. It does what it knows to be right. It speaks its truth and it stands up for what it believes in. It doesn't um, consider consequences. It, it considers consequences inconsequential. Um, and um, the more people do that, the more this, this world will change. And the more people consider consequences and keep backing down the alleyway to the wall at the end, the more this world will become more extreme than it is now. It's our choice. We started out this podcast with Julian Assange exposing the war on terror. So we're just going to round up the podcast now with the war on drugs. Whenever I see war on coming out of America, I'm like, oh, something's not right here. What do you think about the war on drugs? Well, the war on drugs um, uh, uh, overwhelmingly is, um, is uh, a Orwellian inversion. Uh, if you're going to run drugs, the best way to do it unsuspected is to do it through an anti-drug agency. It's what the, I mean, you, with, with, with your book and film, um, I mean, this is what the Clintons and the frickin' uh, Bushes were doing. Um, so you, yeah, I mean, George, uh, Father Bush, Father George Bush, one of the major drug runners in America, he was having wars on drugs when he was president. And of course, wars on drugs from the Bush's point of view is a war on the competition, right? 
I mean, it's it's. I mean, Bush was exposed by the um, San Jose Mercury News, a very proper journalist reporter, for putting crack cocaine on the streets of Los Angeles. And by the way, who attacked the reporter more than the rest of the bloody media in America for actually exposing the story? So drugs are used um, one to um, create enormous amounts of money to spend on this agenda outside of government traceable funds and also to absolutely destroy human society. Look at the opioid epidemic in America now. It's destroying vast numbers of people. And so um, they, uh, they talk about a war on drugs, but what they are doing is making them circulate. I mean, I mean... <laughs> Say what you like about the Taliban, and a lot should be said about the Taliban. When they got control of Afghanistan, the poppy fields disappeared. When the American military sent the boys in, they suddenly went to record levels of poppy production. Because I, I go into this in the trigger. The um, ISI, the Pakistan Military Intelligence, which is very close to the CIA, they were running an operation uh, uh, through Afghanistan to, 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 to get, the, uh, get the source of the drugs, make the drugs, and get the drugs into America. Mohammed Attar was almost certainly flying drugs out of um, the Venice airport, where he's supposed to be learning to fly. According to the Times of India, he was wired $100,000 um, on the behest of the head of the Pakistan ISI just before 9-11. So, of course, the media, see, he was wired that money because it, it was for 9-11. Two questions. Why then aren't you arresting the head of the ISI who wired the money if the money was involved in 9-11? Why was that head of I, uh, the ISI in Washington, D.C. on September the 11th meeting with CIA representatives? And why has nothing ever happened to him? That money wired was to do with the drugs that Attar was involved in. Attar was just put in the wrong place at the wrong time. He wasn't even on the plane, but he was in the right place to be blamed for it. So you mentioned these presidents then through the CIA black ops coordinating drugs coming into the country while ramping up the war on drugs themselves. Yeah. The cost of this was mass incarceration, hundreds of thousands of nonviolent uh, drug possessors going to prison. At the peak of the war on drugs, you had over half a million arrests a year for weed possession. When I was in the jail in Arizona... Before I got arrested for prisoners of pedophiles, murderers, rapists, when I got in there, the average arrest was a black kid or a Mexican kid with a little bit of weed getting a two to five year sentence. Yeah, and what they're doing now, they're pushing legalization of it. Why? Because the corporations are taking it over. Corporations are, 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 are going to take this whole uh, marijuana thing, uh, legalized marijuana thing, uh, um, uh, and make an industry of it. Because it was made illegal in the first place out of San Francisco, the pharmaceutical societies. They didn't want people growing free medicine in their own backyards. No. So now you still can't grow it in your own backyard, but you can buy it from a corporation. Yeah, and, and of course they, they, will, they will produce a form which will not be... I mean, even, even, even the stuff today, as I understand it, from 
listening to people who've researched this, it's not it's not the it's not the um, it's not the marijuana of the sixties that that people are having now, um, and um, so the, the corporations have hijacked it. They, they, that's, that's what they do. That's why they, they've hijacked the um, the food supplement industry and synthesized it. And if it's synthetic, it's freaking useless. But they sell it in in their stores uh, at high prices. Oh yeah, I take this good stuff. I, I only have natural. No, you know you, you're having synthetic. It's not natural. With natural, it'd be good. New 900 megabits per second future fiber is here. And with total home Wi-Fi included, you can connect all around your home. Get our ultimate speed, reliability, and coverage for just £49 a month. New future fiber, same great value. Sign up now and get a £100 reward card. Search Talk Talk Future Fiber. Talk Talk for everyone. CPI plus 3.7% annual increase from April 2023. Subject to local availability. Average speeds up to 900 megabits per second. 24-month contract. Reward card issued by GiftCloud. T's and C's apply. So uh, why would why would a psychopathic uh, empathy-free zone like Big Pharma be interested in the well-being of the population, whether it's synthetic food supplements and vitamins or or marijuana? They wouldn't. I read the story about this biochemist in the medical profession and he got prostate cancer. So he's going in to his doctor and basically he said, your chances of survival you know, after this treatment are very low. He had a friend, a hippie out of San Francisco, female, and she said, get on the cannabis oil. And he got on the cannabis oil and he went back for the x-ray. Cancer was completely gone. I know a story just like that. A friend of mine in Canada, quite a well-known guy, um, I, sp- I spoke to him, uh, and and uh, he was basically in terrible pain with with uh, cancer um, in bed. Uh, and um, he went on the cannabis oil, and I spoke in Toronto, and um, he, I knew he was still alive. I invited him to the event, and I invited him, you know, to come and come and have a chat beforehand. And I was kind of expecting this frail guy walking in the hotel bar. This guy was absolutely healthy as hell cannabis oil from 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 late late um late line cancer um and and you know there's so many people who die so many people who suffer ongoing who don't have to if only we were allowed to have all information and possibility instead of only that which is um which is which 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 we're allowed to see and allowed to access it breaks my heart that hundreds of thousands of people must have died, maybe even millions, because yep. they couldn't get this free medicine. And all these little kids now that have the seizures, they have multiple seizures, they can go into a coma and die. All the people who've died in the past, because they and they're still getting, some of them still getting denied access to the oil. But now these evil, psychopathic politicians who care mostly about votes, they can't go up against these little sick, dying babies. And that's why, I don't know if you're familiar with the case of Charlotte, Charlotte's Web uh, cannabis oil. That's been used now in America at the state level, the people voting for it to get it legalized, at least for medicinal purposes. Yeah. And, and if you had empathy, you would say, whatever it takes to help this kid. That's what you'd say. You wouldn't say, well, it breaks this law. Well, the law's, the law's freaking nonsense then, isn't it? You would you would do it, and that's again where the absence of love just exp- exposes itself. This is the problem with human society. It's it's an absence of love. That that's it. 
You know, I I heard a song this week. It said, um, I'd never heard of it before. I think it's quite well known. Um, I don't know much, but I know I love you. Maybe that's all I need to know. <laughs> and it finished off, it said, I don't know much, but I know I love you. Maybe that's all there is to know. <laughs> and maybe it is, because from that, everything comes. From the lack of that, something very different. Everything comes. The absence of love. That's, the, that's, the, that's why human society is as it is. Change that, change everything. I think that note of love is a perfect one to end the podcast on. If you've enjoyed this interview today, all of David's links are in the description box below this video. Have you got your book coming out on what date is that again? September the 11th. What's it called? It's called The Trigger, um, The Lie That Changed the World, Who Did It, Who Really Did It and Why. And it's available for pre-order at the start of August. And I, I do, you know, so I'm not, not kind of trying to flog the book, but the pre-orders are very important because I want this book as widely circulated as possible before it hits the mainstream. Because I don't know what's going to happen after that. Have you got any tours coming up in countries you're not banned from or anywhere else? No, not at the moment. Um, uh, because it's getting, at the moment, more and more difficult to find anywhere to speak that's not pulled because of um, not protests of, from the public, quite the opposite. Um, the, the numbers that come are, are, are getting bigger all the time, but by the people that want to silence me, lying about what I'm going to say to the venue. And the venue does not say, hold on, they say you're going to say this. Are you going to say this? No, they just pull it. We find about um, quite a number of times, we found out that one of our events is off uh, from the media. <laughs> The venue has never told us. Um, so it's getting, it's getting more difficult that way. But I, I, will, I will go back on the road and I will go back into Australia because the power of consciousness, the power of love, the power of, um, of intent is far more powerful. The, the power of consciousness is far more powerful than these little boys in short trousers. Um, and, and so I will go back into Australia um, and, you know, when we'll see but i will go back in there at the peak of my criminal enterprise i did have the ability to move people around the world who were banned from certain countries so we could share some techniques later on are there any other ways people out there in youtube land can support you or help you well it, it, i've got a youtube channel where there's there's videos on there being put there all, all the time um and you know it's about sharing the information you know people say what can i do well the very least what you can do is is send out to all your friends information you think that they um would benefit from 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 seeing uh and uh, and then i mean this 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 movie renegade it's about an hour and 40 minutes or so one of the great th encouraging things is the number of people that have contacted me and said that they took friends along or family were not into this information at all and it had a massive effect on them because that's why it was made. Uh, so Renegade is a really great way of introducing people for the first time to this information. And if you are interested in David's books, the first one I read that was given to me, Max Security, Alice in Wonderland, about 9-11, completely changed my worldview. 
That was approximately 15 years ago now. I'm sat in that Arizona cell, just sweating, bed sores all over me. Oh, my God. Got this little stereo, tuning into this radio show called Coast to Coast. Yes. Where I heard you getting interviewed back then. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, got out, continued to read your book, continued to share your information. And to go from that 15 years ago to have my own podcast now... And you being such a huge influence on my life and development, I can't thank you enough. It's a real pleasure. Be generous with your time. You, you are. You're, um, talking, you're talking about love. Yeah. It's, it's going to have to be. Um, oh, like, okay. Like situation here, David. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cheers, man. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. cheers. New 900 megabits per second future fiber is here, and with total home Wi-Fi included, you can connect all around your home. Get our ultimate speed, reliability, and coverage for just forty-nine pounds a month. New Future Fiber, same great value. Sign up now and get a £100 reward card. Search Talk Talk Future Fiber. Talk Talk for everyone. CPI plus 3.7% annual increase from April 2023. Subject to local availability. Average speeds up to 900 megabits per second. 24 month contract. Reward card issued by GiftCloud. T's and C's apply. New 900 megabits per second Future Fiber is here. And with total home Wi Fi included, you can connect all around your home. Get our ultimate speed, reliability, and coverage for just £49 a month. New Future Fiber, same great value. Sign up now and get a £100 reward card. Search Talk Talk Future Fiber. Talk Talk for everyone. CPI plus 3.7% annual increase from April 2023. Subject to local availability. Average speeds up to 900 megabits per second. 24 month contract. Reward card issued by GiftCloud. T's and C's apply.